Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 169 of At Odds with Wrestling. Joe and Adam here. Adam, hello. How are you? I'm doing good, Joe. How are you? I'm doing glad. Uh, I'm glad that you were able to go see the Spider-Man movie as we record this. Um, and you're doing a good job of keeping the spoilers to yourself. I was more shocked that you had time away from the importer-exporter business. I, I am allowed days off, and uh, today happened to be one of them. I, I get two weeks still, like, legally obligated. Right. And I don't so, know, if you probably didn't get a chance to listen, but I did uh, kind of get all the spoiler talk out on the new episode of Porch Talk that dropped, you know, very recently as of this recording. No, you guys put spoilers in the in the tags on that, so I, I downloaded it, but I didn't get a chance to listen to it. I'm going to listen to it after I see Spider-Man, which is... penciled in for tuesday uh afternoon yeah and i know nothing gets past your invulnerable wall of like twitter blocks you know (laughs) like as far as like blocking hashtags and keywords and all that it's legendary i tell i i had so many things like you get those suggested things that come up on twitter Mm. and i have so many things like muted and blocked and whatever i was getting the strangest array of things and i'm like any of this could mean anything i have no idea what these things could be referring to literally every comic book thing was coming up and i'm like i'm pretty sure black adam and blue beetle are not in spider-man so (laughs) well (laughs) well i feel i'm doing a good job with uh my twitter Whatever. You don't have to quit Twitter. You know, you have to know how to police yourself on Twitter. Yeah. Or like you could do what I do now and only look at it when I get a mention. Yeah. Well, see, you know, I, I mentioned if you listen to me uh, call in on Pod Van Dam this week so much like I've I've kind of set these things up. It's like, well, I got to make sure I do stuff to promote the other shows in the soon to be named network to get those out. I got to make sure that I get the stuff out for long box heroes. I got to do Terry Tuesday. I got to do the, you know, so on and so, so, but also there's so many people that I connect with through uh direct message on Twitter. That's the way I converse with people. Mm-hmm. So I can just, I, I could never, like I would be there. Even if I said like foolishly into a microphone, like I'm quitting Twitter for any period of time. I would still be in the DMs. So have I quit Twitter? No. Because mm. people yeah, are no. probably still sending me tweets in the <laughs> DMs, you know? Yeah, they got to keep you uh, on top of stuff. And Right. Plus, if it wasn't for, like, our little group chat with you, me, and Kevin Ford, I would not know what dumb stuff Broski did lately. Like, that's – I feel like that's the seconds a tweet is sent out, Kevin Ford is forwarding it to me. Well <laughs> – I, I, that could just be every tweet. You could just send an alert and have every tweet that Broski does and just assume it's a dumb one, you know? Yeah. Speaking of uh, dumb tweets and things that should be blocked on Twitter, did you listen to the most recent A Show? Wow, that was a ham fisted uh, segue, but I did listen to the A Show this week. Um, yet again, uh, Decker's plan was I'm going to have everyone rebook BDK, and he picked the wrong year. <laughs> Decker, not exactly the brains of that operation. Uh, you know, they no. got about one, maybe half a brain to share between the two of them. Yeah. Yeah. And I uh, will say this, you know, obviously this matchup was DeWiki, the Jingle Meister, the soon to be named network star of Hit My Music versus the Boar, friend of the show, Book the Boar. Um, going into this episode, you know, I obviously I wrote down tentatively in pencil. All right. I'm going to vote for the Boar. Because, you know, DeWiki's one of your uh, sycophant yes-men. So, (laughs) 
and Boar is one of my one of the very few wrestlers in the world that I that I know personally. So he automatically, you know, by default, the wiki has to dig himself out of a hole, you know. So I listened to the episode and I won't go into spoilers, but there was almost a bit of a bidding war on their wildcard picks, you know, seeming to like maybe curry the favor of a certain Vansky. And uh, Dwicky ended up getting uh, the, the the person or people in question, and he he handled it in a respectful matter manner. I'm sorry, and uh, because of that, just not burying these people, uh, I was like, you know what, you know, Dwicky might have gotten my vote. Uh, I will say that that was so hilarious to me that of all the people from 2008 professional wrestling, that both of them had like the same. And I don't want to say obscure person or persons in mind for their wild card, but, uh, you know, they weren't like main event guys at the time, you know? Yeah. They were main event adjacent, I guess. (laughs) And I actually did message the boar earlier today, and I asked him what his wild card plans were. And I'll I'll tell you off the mic, but... uh, Oh, no, he told me, too. I know. What oh, were. OK, perfect. Then, then we're the only ones that know. Message the board. Maybe he'll tell you. But <laughs> uh, I'm not sure if I like his his idea better than Dewicki's. His idea is definitely more of uh, something I would do. Right. But, you know, you know, again, credit to where credit's due. Dewicki handled it in a respectful manner, managed to to get this talent over uh, and then do the right thing with them in the end. You know, so. uh Kudos to both guys on there. And uh, the Boar will admit that he wasn't as high energy as Dewicki. Uh, Dewicki definitely brought his A game. He was more memorable in this presentation as opposed to, uh, I don't even remember his his previous round, uh, you know, but like he definitely did a much better job on this. He, he turned it up a notch. Yeah. Uh, Dewicki's previous one was like Ring of Honor from, I think, 2010 or 11 or 12 or something in there. Um, but I, I will say the board did, I like, he, he was not a fan of the era of Chikar that he was going into. He prefaced his show by saying that. And, uh, again, David DeWicky being more of a fan of that era and more eras of Chikar, I think, uh, added a lot to it, but more familiar with some of the stuff that was going on, was able to put stuff in there to play to, you know, many different fan bases of the show and the hosts themselves. And I just thought that uh, the boar would have fought a little bit harder to be able to get in there so that it would be a uh, boar versus Tim finals. Not to say that the voting is done just yet, but I think David had a really strong card. And um, I guess what's the final where like it's battle bowl, but your opponent picks your battle bowl for you. Yeah, it's the reverse draft. Um, I don't yeah. know what year Battle Bowl, but uh, right. So that's the que- that's the key, of course. Um, so it it is looking, if you ask me, that it's going to be Tim versus uh, David. So that'll be a very interesting finals. Two very creative guys going into this. Uh, no one better to take the the crown away from me. Well, I mean, we share that crown, as everybody knows, but uh, um. I'm looking at the voting right now with three days and 13 hours left as of this recording and 36 votes. DeWiki does have the lead, 56%. Mm-hmm. Um, but now I am remembering that the board did the classic, the lights go out, the lights go out. So uh, I think that I might 
I haven't casted. I casted a vote from my main account, but as everybody oh, knows, boy. I have like thirty more burners, and they're all waiting for me to make a final decision. Um, I don't know. I don't know what I'm gonna do. We'll we'll figure this out. Um, but yeah, good sh- good episode from both of them. Uh, not quite as good as if I was in the tournament, but that's its own thing. And now, at odds with wrestling presents. This day in wrestling history. We got a big one this week, so we're getting right into it. All right. So, Adam, I know that you claim that wrestling did not happen prior to 1990. No wrestling of any importance. Okay. However, on this day in 1987, the World Wrestling Entertainment held the second annual Slammy Award. And I think on the actual airing of it, they said it was like the 63rd annual Slammy Awards. <laughs> uh, the entire thing exists on YouTube. It's about an hour long. It's a lot of fun. Um, it's a lot of, you know, BS awards, like things like Woman of the Year won by Miss, Oliv- uh, Miss Elizabeth. Uh, Hulk Hogan giving out a Real American Award to superstar Billy Graham. Uh, Jesse the Body Body Award to Rick Rude and... Rick Rude, like, strips naked on the show, right? <laughs> sure. um, the whole thing, though, is really just an infomercial for the second wrestling album, Pile Driver. So in between the awards, they're playing the music or singing the songs or whatever it is. And the main reason I threw this in here was because if you haven't, you definitely have to look at your screen, since we are sharing the screens, and listen up to this. Oh, there we go. <laughs> I can turn the volume down just to stick. Have you ever seen this before? Uh, not in its entirety, but I've obviously seen he needs to bring this character back. Him and Austin oh. can do this on Raw. <laughs> I don't think Vince today can move like this. <laughs> That's a lot of active weekend at Bernie's, uh, like, whatever, puppeteering to get him to do that. <laughs> Isn't Jake Roberts on, like, the horn and shit? That's Jake, Brutus, and Macho on one side. And then the little beads, and I forget the other one over there. Yeah. All right. Oh, look at the hips. <laughs> so, again, I'm going to turn this down just a little bit, but I'm going to let it keep playing. Oh, so thanks. as a kid at 10 years old, you know, I didn't know Vince was in charge. Like, he was just, like, the announcer guy. So, like, why are they devoting all this time to him? And yeah. he's singing this song with, like, these very specific, like, lyrics about taking everyone down and he's got all these great ideas and everything. 
<laughs> and like none of it made any sense to me as a ten year old. Yeah. And it barely makes any sense today. No, definitely not. But at least looking at this footage, I can tell now why uh, old Terry uh, was asked to be in Metallica and turn it down. You know, because that's some good bass playing he's doing. <laughs> Oh, speaking of it, here he is. Right, he gets his bass solo. Uh, So, yeah, there's a chance that this could be homework, because I think once we're done with Chikara, I might just be, like, assigning you, like, weird old oddities like this. Well, again, this is before the before times, so we can't do this. But if there was a slammy, like, a couple years later, I'll watch it. Uh, I think the next time they do it is, like, 96, 97, maybe. Okay. It was 97, yeah, which is another weird one in and of itself. It was, like, in a... It was in the banquet room of, like, a hotel. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Okay. And the one where, like... Take this off my screen. (laughs) All right, all right. I think we got we got the point, right? Yeah, yeah. All right, so... Lost enough listeners from that. (laughs) No, listen, I wanted to play the whole thing. Um, so also, Adam, on this day in 1990, again, 1990, wrestling is happening. Yeah. Uh, World Championship Wrestling held Starcade uh, from the Keel Auditorium in St. Louis, Missouri. Um, maybe you know this because this is the big main event of the big reveal of who the Black Scorpion was. I know it just from history. I think I started watching WCW maybe a year later. Okay. Now, also on this night, and again, I might have to just uh, cheat for a second and turn off the whatever, but there was a uh, tag team title tournament or a tag team tournament with teams from all over the world in it. Mm-hmm. And I say all over the world in it. Uh, United States, Mexico, Japan, New Zealand. Um, could you by any chance name any team that was in that tournament? You know what? Uh, all I can say is because I was just looking at your screen that I right. saw that the uh, the pretty good Muda was in it. Uh, all right, <laughs> but that's all I caught when I was looking real quick. Okay, uh, so Rick and Scott Steiner, the USA, uh, Conan and Rey Mysterio Senior for Mexico, uh, Great Muda and Mister Saido for Japan, Victor Zangiev and Salman Hashmikov for Russia. Danny Johnson and Troy Montour for Canada. Jack Victory and Rip Morgan for New Zealand. Uh, Chris Adams and Norman Smiley for the UK. And uh, for South Africa was Sergeant Kruger and Colonel DeClerc. <laughs> Just a who's who of international talent. Well, so, you know, Victor Zangief was a big deal. He wrestled primarily in Japan. Uh, I have no clue who the Canadian guys were. Uh, The New Zealand guys, I think Rip Morgan was from New Zealand. Like, Jack Victory was just, like, a dude, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Chris Adams and Norman Smiley, actual UK people. But I think, like, Chris Adams, like, lived in Texas or whatever it was. The real thing that you need to go out of your way for on this show, two things. Uh, There's a Lex Luger versus Stan Hansen uh, bull rope match, which is, like, really good. And the South Africa team of Sergeant Kruger and Colonel DeClerc. Uh, Sergeant Kruger was played by uh, Ray Apollo, who was Babyface Doink. Okay. And Colonel DeClerc was Flyboy Rocco Rock. Oh, 
Look at that. Before he became one of the best tag teams ever. That's right. <laughs> now, also on this day, again, it's a busy day in wrestling history, as I mentioned. Mm-hmm. On this day in wrestling history, 1996, there was an episode of Monday Night Raw. It was the night after the It's Time in Your House pay-per-view. Uh, this is really the beginning of a bunch of the angles and storylines that we're going to build toward WrestleMania. Um really kind of the beginnings of the Bret Hart heel turn. Like everyone says like, oh, the double turn with him and Austin at WrestleMania that year. This was them building up like Austin in a program with the British Bulldog and building up Bret and Sean for WrestleMania again. Um, However, the main event of this show was Billy Gunn, who had just recently turned heel, taking on Bart Gunn. And do you have any memory of this? I tweet, I retweeted it out today, but do you have any memory of this happening? See, I don't remember Billy versus Bart because in my mind, like, they stopped being a team with the Brawl for All. But I know that – and he just became, like, the not, – not the ass man, but, like, just started teaming with Road Dog. So whatever happened in between Brawl for All and teaming with Road Dog, I don't remember. So, actually, Brawl for All – he was all right. So Billy was already teaming with Road Dog when Brawl for All happened. Oh, really? Yes. So okay. okay. So we'll get into it. So '96 is this the tag team storyline was that Sonny kept hopping from different tag teams. Yeah, front running. Right, taking them to the tag team titles. They lose the tag team title, and she would just go on to the next team. Right, is mm-hmm. crucial because it goes from like the Body Donnas to the Godwins to the smoking guns and by Sonny going to the smoking guns it ends up uh like maybe like somewhere around like october billy turns on bart and breaks up the smoking guns they're actually both captains of survivor series teams that were on the free for all at survivor series 96 now here we are this monday night raw is the big blow off to the feud right mm-hmm during the match, Bart gives Billy a stun gun. You know, the, the move, the stun gun, where you kind of, like, drape the guy over the top, yep. the middle rope or whatever it is. Billy sells it, not unlike Sean taking the Inzagiri from Owen Hart a year prior. Okay, yeah, he shoot hurt. They treat it, and they go to, like, this is not a wrestling angle voice, like, a woman jumps the barricade and starts yelling at Bart of how could you do this to your brother? They just stop the match. Another woman comes in and is consoling Bart Gunn. Um, like Billy and it, Billy's just laying catatonic on the on the canvas, right? Mm. And it's like, oh my god! Like I remember watching it at the time and like, I'm like, holy shit, what's going on, right? Mm-hmm. So, do you want to know what the blow-off this angle was? I, I definitely do, because I have no recollection of this. There's a reason you have no recollection of it, because no follow-up. Oh. Um, <laughs> Bart becomes, like, a high-end jobber to the stars. Like, he's in, like, the Fatu Make a Difference, uh, Bob Sparkplug Holly tier of baby faces. Yeah. And then Billy Gunn comes back four months later as Rockabilly, with no mention of this angle ever taking place ever again. Hmm. And I'm just shocked. I have no, I have no recollection of that finish. You know. Yeah, oh my god! It's, it was stuck out. It, it was one of those things. When I watched at the time, I was like, 
oh my god, what the hell's going on? And then the fact that, like, they never bring it up again. And I was like, you know, I had some internet access, and I was kind of getting a little bit more information around that time online. But I knew it was coming up in, like, a This Day in Wrestling History sort of way. And then I saw it on the timeline today. I'm like, holy shit, it's today. Ridiculous. And then I was tweeting other people about it. I'm like, did they ever follow up on this? And I'm just not remembering it. And they're like, absolutely not. There was never a follow-up. They never mentioned this again. But, like, imagine, like, them ending a Monday Night Raw with a blow-off of a tag team rivalry. Kayfabe brother feud where they do the, like, this is not a wrestling angle shoot injury thing. And then just never mention it again. Yeah. I mean, it's a good thing WWE now, you know, has solid booking and cohesive storylines. So we don't have to worry about that anymore. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Uh, so, also, uh, on this day, wrestling history, in 2007, World Wrestling Entertainment held the uh, Armageddon pay-per-view from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Um, you know, Rey Mysterio versus MVP for the U.S. title. Uh, Shawn Michaels versus Mr. Kennedy. Jeff Hardy versus Triple H. Uh, main event is a triple threat for the World Heavyweight title of Edge versus Batista versus Undertaker. Do you know any significance to this card, Adam? Uh, oh, obviously, I know everything about it, Joe. No, I don't know anything. Come on. <laughs> Adam, Adam, I'm going to ask one more time. Okay. Are you sure that you don't know anything about this card? Mm, no, I don't. Okay. So during the match, the main event, Undertaker bumps Edge to the outside, and Edge crawls underneath the ring. Oh, okay. <laughs> Is this and then Undertaker match? pulls Edge out, but it's not Edge. <laughs> debut of the Edgeheads. Okay. This is the debut of the Edgeheads. Come on. Oh, man, come on. Uh, the, I, first of all, I'm ashamed of myself for not getting that immediately. Uh, <laughs> and, I, and I gave you the opening twice. And I'm like, are you sure? I know. and Because I, I, the whole time you were reading this, I was looking at the main event. And I was just in my head going, y'all don't like Edge? Just over and over again. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, my bad. Yeah, look at that. The... The, the major brothers making their debut as on the on the big stage, uh, and the, as everybody knows, this led to them being involved in WrestleMania, and then a year later, you had the Edgeheads explode in a big triple threat main event for WrestleMania. <laughs> no, that's not what happened, but that's what could have happened. Yeah. Oh. All, All right. right. You should, and you should feel bad. Yeah. All right, so also on this day in wrestling history, 2012, did I step on you? No, I was just going to say, like, I'm looking at your screen. There's 15 more of these. <laughs> I told you. It's a, it's, it's, it's a lean 90 minutes. So uh, 2012, final battle, Ring of Honor, Hammerstein Ballroom. Uh, we're not going to go over the entire card, but uh, this had such matches as Jay Lethal versus Rhino. Uh, Prince Nana taking on R.D. Evans, who you might know better as Archibald Peck, uh, mm -hmm. with his corner man, QT Marshall. Oh, he was a thing before AEW. Oh, I didn't know oh that. Oh, my God. Okay, so we'll get, we'll get here in a second. Uh, Shelton Benjamin, Charlie Haas against Rhett Titus and BJ Whitmer in a New York City street fight. Uh, Mike Bennett versus Jerry Lynn. Was uh, Mike Bennett accompanied by anybody? Mike Bennett, okay, and we're going to get into that too. Mike <laughs> Bennett was accompanied by two people. He oh. was accompanied by uh, the lovely Maria. All right. 
and he was accompanied by brutal Bob Evans. Well, I like the first one. <laughs> okay, and, we'll, and like I said, we're going to get there when we get there. Um, Matt Hardy taking on Adam Cole. Baby. The, Brisco- the Briscoes taking on Jimmy Jacobs and Steve Carino and Caprice Coleman and Cedric Alexander. And the main event was a ladder war match for the uh, Ring of Honor title of Kevin Steen taking on El Generico. Okay. This was... Like, the beginning, like, this was, like, the first year of the Sinclair era of Ring of Honor. Yeah. And Jim Cornette was in charge of creative at this time, okay? Mm-hmm. So, uh, the people that were over were your Kevin Steens and your El Generico's. The people that Cornette wanted to push were QT Marshall and Mike Bennett. Now, the idea with Mike Bennett was he was the prodigy Mike Bennett. He has Maria with him. But then they also have Brutal Bob Evans with him. And Brutal Bob Evans is like a journeyman uh, New England indie guy, right? Yeah. He does seminars. He does training. He trained a bunch of guys, whatever, whatever, whatever. But on TV, uh, Brutal Bob Evans was doing a Mickey from the Rocky movies impersonation. (laughs) Like, down to, like, to the outfit and, like, making the weird faces that Burgess Meredith would make in the Rocky movies. All right. I'm here for it. And the whole thing was, as good of a wrestler as Mike Bennett is, and with the added thing of having Maria at ringside as the distraction, uh, Brutal Bob Evans was an old-school guy who taught Mike Bennett all these, like, holds that people forgot about. Like, these shoot things and all this other shit, right? That mm-hmm. Mike Bennett never did. But Jim Cornette would always put it over on TV that, like, Brutal Bob Evans is the one that you got to watch out for in this group. Because he's the one that has, like, that old school mentality. Um, but, like, this was also, also the time where, uh, like, the Headbangers got a run in Ring of Honor. Um, like, a lot of, like, Jim Cornette favorites got runs, like, very unsuccessful runs mm-hmm. in Ring of Honor. But... You know, it was a weird time for Ring of Honor, right? Yeah. Yeah, it looks like I'm just looking at the card, and it's it's a mixture of, like, who you would expect in Ring of Honor and just people that I didn't even know, you know, were there. Like, I didn't know the world's greatest tag team was in Ring of Honor, to be honest with you. Yeah, again, they were a Cornette project, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, But also, on that same day, 2012, also in New York, at the Barclays Center, WWE had held TLC. Standard WWE t- uh, uh, lineup from that time, but the biggie on this show was a TLC match pitting Ryback and Team Hell No, Kane and Daniel Bryan, against The Shield in their first ever match. Up okay. until this point, The Shield were just doing run-ins and stuff. Yeah. This was their first match match, and I would say that this match probably still holds up today. Yeah, I mean, at the risk of being too big of a Shield mark, I... I... I don't think that the Shield as a trio had any bad matches, especially pay-per-view matches. For sure. And they were kind of like the beginnings of turning around a lot of the match quality in WWE. Mm-hmm. Um, at this time, um, them getting paired up with, you know, these folks or getting paired up with, like, the Usos at different points. Uh, getting paired up with, like, Cody ends up breaking off from, like, Damian Sandown. They did, like, Cody and Dustin against, like the shield and stuff like that. They really added like uh, an injection into that main roster of having guys have good matches 
And one could even say them, the Shield, coming up to the main roster was the beginning of more indie type guys getting hired for NXT over like the next like two years. Yeah, because I mean, I was not watching NXT when any of those three were there. But as soon as they left, it left a big like void in NXT that was filled with the like your Steens and Valors and, you know, whoever generico. Right. Um, and then, uh, lastly, I'll say, uh, no date or whatever it was, um, but today would have been, uh, Brody Lee's 42nd birthday. Mm -hmm. And you know what that means. If, uh, you follow Amanda on social media, his wife, uh, you'll see a lot of the stuff that she's been putting up as December is and was a big month for them. And, uh, you know. It's just, uh, you know, I think John has been a lot of people's thoughts, but the fact that so much of their life was in December and, you know, we're coming up on like all these anniversaries and the anniversary of his passing is literally like 10 days away. You know, mm. I'm, just, I'm just glad we're not recording on the day that that's the anniversary of. So it was so and it was also interesting, you know, obviously all the people that were tweeting out about John's birthday today, but also to see like all of the WWE accounts tweet out about it, you know? And I say all, I mean like the, the bleacher report WWE account, the main WWE account, um, the, the Fox WWE account, like all the main WWE accounts were all tweeting out different things about John today. Like that would be his birthday and that they don't do that for a lot of people. That aren't mm -hmm. with the company. They don't do that for a lot of people that have passed. And uh, they don't do that for a lot of people that were with the, you know, opposing company, if you will, uh, at the time of their passing. So that just kind of shows you what sort of man John was and kind of will always remember to be. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, Adam, I'll roll it over to you. Uh what did you like and not like in wrestling in the last uh, seven days? Oh, I, I thought we were collapsing this seg. I, I deleted my notes already. Well. Um, all right, I'll, I'll come up with something. Um, I will go with a like, and I'm going to start this off by saying, Joe, every once in a while, it doesn't happen that often, but every once in a while, I'm wrong about something. That's true. And, and uh, when it does happen, I like to I like to man up and admit it. And Joe, I was wrong about a certain person in professional wrestling. I was wrong about the hype surrounding that person. And I want to admit right here on the air that I was wrong about being skeptical about Hook. Because Joe, on Rampage, they sent Hook. And uh, I'm hooked, buddy. I, I really am. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I, I, there's nothing I could say that hasn't been said better and more eloquently in a hundred other places, but... Uh, it was a badass debut for a guy. I mean, uh, from the theme music, you know, getting his own. I, I'm not going to pretend to know who the theme music was by, but it's clearly licensed like real music uh, to the fact that he was not only, you know, competent in the ring, but he was like pretty damn good with the judo throws and the submission and just 
having Taz on commentary during it just elevated it and didn't look like he broke a sweat and just looked cool the whole time. I want to see Hook in like the main event within the next couple months. But I, I was originally just like not on board with the whole Hook hype and all the nonsense with him being in the gender neutral Monarch tournament. But if I had it to do over again, uh, I would I would hitch my wagon to Pod Van Dam's pick and get Danhausen out of that that top spot because right now Avery Good, Orange Cassidy, Hook that's a pretty good trio to stand behind and uh, <laughs> I ruined that so that's my first like the debut of Hook. Um, I like the debut of Hook, uh, not in my likes. Uh, you know, I could look at it with a critical eye and just say, eh, I would have tweaked this and I would have tweaked that, but it was on the tape show. Um, they obviously have high hopes for this kid. As I understand it, he had started his training, um, with Cody, but he has been training, uh, in quote unquote secret, uh, rigorously with, uh, Brian Myers and Pat Buck at, uh, create pro for quite some time. Mm-hmm. And, Obviously, they see something in him, um, and one could imagine that he is going to be that. You know, we we talk all the time about they they on AEW TV talk about the four pillars, and I say like the four pillars that they talk about like don't mean anything. Like, let's look at the next four after that, like your Daniel Garcias and your Lee Moriarty's and people like that on the like the come up, come up, yeah. Um, as opposed to like your Darby's and your MJF's who kind of maybe are sort of already like overexposed a little bit in the last two years. Whereas hook is like that next, next generation where like, you're going to see hook as a superstar in like five years. Um, my joke on Twitter was that hook should never wrestle again and retire undefeated. (laughs) It's just the, uh, what do they call it? The mythos, like the, uh, like when an actor or musician, uh, you know, dies young, not to use that analogy, but it's just, they become an even bigger star because they just were a flame that burned out super quick, you know? Right. Well, no, that's the thing. I don't need to prove anything else. I had a match. I won. It wasn't (laughs) against a soup can. You know what I mean? Like maybe in a year I'll have another match and I'll probably win that one too. (laughs) <laughs> yeah I, I mean i agree definitely don't trot him out in a week you know take a couple months make hook matches be like can't miss tv special events like save <laughs> them for sweeps you know <laughs> just bust them out every once in a while like they did with the undertaker the last couple of years of his career <laughs> right he debuts with an undertaker s gimmick where he's the phenom and he has the streak and everything else like that <sighs> <laughs> um, but no, it was it was enjoyable, and I know they mentioned it on Pod Van Dam this week that it was good to see so much of wrestling Twitter, which you know can't agree on you know what color the ring rope should be or what shape the ring post should be on a, on any given day. We're able to put aside their differences and all enjoy Hook on Friday night, you know. Yeah, I usually don't like what you you like to call meme wrestlers, and I feel like he was definitely a meme wrestler over the last couple months. And uh, like I said, I'm, I'm completely wrong. I'm on board. Right. But then again, I was on board with The Fiend. We both sat here talking about how it was the greatest thing ever. Yeah, <laughs> listen, I, I think I got off The Fiend train a little bit before you did. But then yeah. I got back on in like an ironic way because of how bad it was. <laughs> yeah. Was, so we're not always batting a thousand here. No. Has your uh, Fiend Christmas pop shipped yet or did they get canceled? Uh, people have them in hands, but, uh, because I ordered it from walmart.com, it's of course delayed. 
Of course. Yes, to add with the other 20 things that I have from them that are delayed. Uh, so I'm going to go to like. How about that? All right. Yep. And my like uh, is also from AEW. Uh, it is from this week's episode of Dynamite. And that would be the world title match of Wangman Adam Page defending his title against Brian Danielson. I love this match. Um, I think when we talked about this match last week, we both hemmed and hawed of like what way they could go or did go or would go. And I think we both kind of said like, they got to go with a draw, right? Yeah. And they went with an hour draw on TV with like all pick, like I think it was like five commercial breaks. Four of them were picture in picture. Um, And... I've talked on here before, you know, when it comes to wrestling in so many different facets, like I'm a fan of less is more when it comes to wrestling. You know, when I look at the lineup sheet, when Mantis puts it up for an LVAC show and I see all these matches getting like 10 to 12 minutes, I'm like, that should be eight. That should be six. We could shave five minutes there even before I, I see the matches or who's involved. Right. Yeah. Um, Brian Danielson wants to wrestle an hour. I want to watch Brian Danielson wrestle for an hour. Brian Danielson wants to wrestle for six minutes. I want to watch those six minutes. Uh, he is a compelling, captivating performer. Hangman's no slouch at either. Um, the match itself, even though it had elements of both, it was very different than any match that either one have had in their AEW careers. Um, I remember early on in AEW, in AEW there was a, I think it was, it had to have been a pay-per-view match where Adam Page, or like, no, it was a TV match, where Adam Page was like the number one contender, or whatever it was, and he was going for the title, and he has like this 15-minute even match with Kip Sabian, mm-hmm. and I'm like, that killed him. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's certain guys that you should have even matches with. Or there's certain guys that you should have long matches with. And, like, I'm sure Kip Sabian's a nice enough guy. But, like, he wasn't the guy then and he ain't the guy now. Um, But I really like this match a lot. Yeah. So I talk about this a lot when I say that when a match is announced, I'll go ahead and just write it in my likes. Because I'm like, all right, well, there's obviously – it's not going to get bumped. And I was worried, like, maybe halfway through it, I was like, maybe this isn't going to be in my likes. And uh, because I I think that the match, while it was really good, um, it it didn't captivate me for the full hour. I think it kind of won me over towards the end. Uh, And just to to recap, yes, this is in my likes. Uh, It was narrowly beat out by Tay Conti, Anna J. Ruby versus Bunny, Penelope, and Nyla Rose. But I I did decide to go with Hangman Dragon. but like like I said, it, it didn't hold me during the first half because a lot of times I feel like just because a match is long, it doesn't mean it's good. Uh, no. see, see that IWTV 100 title defense. Um, but it did win me over at the end, you know, and, and I do like the fact that if this was WWE, which I like to shit on, I don't know if you noticed, they would have done like a full like on the screen countdown of the final 10 seconds, you know, so that you would have seen it coming. But like they stopped announcing uh, the time like they they announced the time, but it was over the PA and it wasn't, you know, 
announced to the, the, the TV audience until it was like at a minute. And then they didn't mention it again. So the bell kind of just rang after the, uh, I don't know, did he execute the buckshot lariat or he was on the outside for it? But it, he was going for it and he made no, he hit him. He hit it. He hit it. Yeah. And then just the, the bell rings because of the time limit. I like that finish where it's not like a kayfabe timer to the point where like, you know, it's a two count and the time runs out. Cause I feel like that, finish is done too much um so i did like the ending i liked the match i love danielson um i i didn't like maybe the first half hour of the match so it almost got out of my likes but i agree unlike you i tend to keep most of the danielson matches in my likes i know you pick and choose because you're not as big a fan as i am but okay. yeah this is definitely this is definitely in the, my likes all right um do you want me to go with a like or a dislike or you want to go with something uh, I'll go ahead and I'll go with something, and I think that we will we might disagree on this, Joe. And this is my my first dislike, and this is again totally selfish. Everybody out there, go and get paid. You know, do what's right for your family. But I'm a wrestling fan. I'm being forced to watch wrestling, so I want wrestling to be enjoyable for just me. So my dislike is the fact that Kevin Owens resigned with the WWE. And yes, you can say, well, he probably got a ridiculous amount of money. Good for him. Uh, you know, using the leverage of potentially going to AEW uh, to, to maybe sweeten the deal. But man, I hate watching WWE and I wanted to see him on the indies or see him in AEW or see him in Japan. And I'm not going to get to see that. I'm going to get to see him job to, to uh, fucking uh, Bobby Lashley and and drew mcintyre and yeah maybe they'll give him a token run at the top saying hey thanks for re-signing but then it's you know go go lose to freaking rex steiner uh I, I just don't like the wwe product and I, I don't want my favorite wrestlers to still be there so that's in my dislikes it's in my likes yeah i told you uh, <laughs> um i i'm of you in the selfishness when it comes to the wrestlers that I like and Kevin Owens is very much high at the top of that list of guys that I like quite a bit. And, you know, there had been a lot of speculation if he was going to be leaving, he was teasing stuff. The Bucks were teasing stuff. Everybody was teasing stuff. And I think it's out there how much he, how much he's getting. I was told it's $11 million over three years, which, you know, that's, that's nothing to sneeze at. Right. Yeah. And I think he had even said there was an interview that some of the you know, the interview was recorded this week. Some information came out about it from Pat LaProd, who is like a big Montreal wrestling guy. And I think the podcast comes out on Tuesday where there's a lot more information about it going to be coming out. Um, that it is there. Uh, he Kevin Owens in his contract does not have a no cut clause. So that's the only thing that concerns me because, you know, literally anybody can be cut in the World Wrestling Entertainment at any time. Um, and I'm glad that of all the guys that WWE decided, like, okay, we can't let this one slip through our fingers. It was him because uh, they've let dozens go over the last year. And Kevin Owens has a family. He's got two, you know, young kids, uh, like a teenager and like, you know, kid who's under 10. Um, he doesn't live an extravagant lifestyle. Um, he's kind of modeled so much of his life after what we've heard and know the stories about Owen Hart are about how much of his life and how much of what he did for being in the WWE as long as he was, was just so that he could like 
support his family and then like one day quit and be a fireman, you know? Yeah. Um, maybe 2024, Kevin Owens quits wrestling and becomes a fireman, right? <laughs> um, but he's only 38. He's even at the end of this contract. He's still got some time left in him. Um, he could still have that AEW run, or he could do that indies run, or he could do nothing, or he could resign. Um, but again, like sometimes I have to turn the selfishness of things off and just be like, hey, man. Uh, you know, I'm glad you got that money and let's hope WWE keeps you and pays you that money, you know? Yeah. No, like I said, it's a good, you know, financially it's the right thing to do. I'm just treating it as the guy who's watching wrestling and I, I, it would just be very convenient for me if, if everybody that I liked was not in the WWE, you know? Yeah. I, I no. wish everybody that I like just wrestled matches in front of my house, you know, so <laughs> I need to go outside. I could just look out my window, you know, but, you know, that, that's an impossibility. So, you know, this is the next best thing, I guess. Right. Yeah. Uh, right. I'm going to do I'm going to do a dislike because I got to end with my other dislike. All right. Go for it. Uh, so I watched um, Ring of most of Ring of Honor final battle this past week. Um, my kid was sick, so we were kind of doing stuff with him watching movies with him and everything like that. So I got to watch like the back half of uh Ring of Honor Final Battle. Uh we mentioned before, but the Mike uh Mike Bennett, Matt Taven, Briscoe's match was really good. I like that they used uh so much of the show to set up um spots for where these guys are gonna go in the future, whether it be stuff with AEW or NWA. Uh I'm glad um, you know, with Bandito getting sick and they brought in Jay Lethal, whatever your opinion of him is, the fact that they let uh, Gresham win the Ring of Honor title and now he's going out and defending that title in other promotions. Um, granted, it was one of those things where the finish happens and they literally had to go to black because they ran short on time, possibly for the reason of my dislikes. So there was a six-person match uh, that was uh, fiddled around with a little bit, uh, and they ended up adding one EC3 to the match. Mm-hmm. And EC3 does nothing in the match, and then they do a big prolonged angle that was all free-the-narrative stuff to debut Braun Strowman in his first post-WWE booking. And then all the free the narrative social media is hyping the grouping of EC3, Brawny Strowman, and Killer Karrion Cross. <laughs> this is what you're gonna spend your time on? Like, if this like Ring of Honor like added EC3 to the card and gave this dumb shit TV t- like pay-per-view time, right? Mm. Um, which is more expensive than TV time, I would say. Um, if this is what the focus of the return of Ring of Honor is going to be in April of 2022, Ring of Honor can stay away. <laughs> um, oh. I have friends that work um, closely and not that closely with all the free the narrative stuff. And I've publicly and privately told them my issues with it. Um, and they say that they, we've take those things under advisement and, you know. I hope you guys are all getting paid is all I could say, you know, <laughs> um, I, I said when we talked about the show, uh, the free the narrative stuff, it fe- it feels as though it's all like a an opportunity for oh. EC3 to sell his like supplements and workout routines, yeah. um, get paid in cash, not supplements is all I'll say. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> he's get he's paying people in Vigoron. <laughs> he's paying people in jokes like Jackie Martling. Yeah. No, thank you. Joe, so as much as the bit would definitely like fit me to ha- assign free to narrative two for show homework, I really don't want to watch a second of it. So it'll right. never happen. It'll never happen because I won't even do it for the bit. I watch bits and pieces of two. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I did not watch a second of that Ring of Honor uh, show. I saw I saw some gifs and some clips on Twitter. That's about it. Yeah, if you could see if you could see it out there, like I said, the Briscoes versus uh, Taven and Bennett match was really really good. All right, yeah, I saw a lot of clips of Maria, so mm-hmm. important stuff. She's uh, she, a, she's still flying high. Yeah, yeah, height of powers perennially. Yes, I have a dislike remaining. Do you have anything else? Nah, I got I uh, nothing else on that. I got to you know we'll, I got my last dislike. All right. Uh, so I don't know if you remember, you might remember we talked about towards the end of the pandemic shows that WWE was running towards the end of the Thunderdome when they started kind of piping in the music of Braun Strowman, like the choo-choo Strowman and like Alexa having like the rafters fall apart and she was shooting lightning. And we said, thank God that they're going to live shows in front of crowds and there won't be any more of this. And I said to you, Joe, uh-uh, they got a taste of it. They're going to figure out a way to put special effects into the live wrestling. And uh, you were probably like, nah, it'll never happen. Uh, but you know what, Joe? I was watching some kind of WWE programming this week. I don't know. If it it might have been SmackDown. And uh, Zia Lee debuted on the main roster, Joe. And once you know it, she's standing <laughs> on, like, the ramp. And, like, there's these, like, fireworks going off from her body. And then she starts, like, shooting lightning or lightning comes off from behind her. And I get it. This is no different than when, like, they do the wide shot of the Titantron. And, like, they have the floating Alexa Bliss head or the, the Claymore for Drew McIntyre. I get that that's this is the same thing. But we literally have this character doing, like, magic bits due to computers and superimposed stuff. And I was like, Jesus, tap dancing Christ. I know Brett's happy that Zylee's on the main roster. But, like, as soon as they had her starting to, like, shoot lightning, I was like, first of all, where's Alexa? I think is the the, the crux of this. I've I've mentioned her three times in this segment. I'm realizing it. But uh, a lot of talented women in the WWE uh, and Zia Lee is also in the WWE. And uh, again, this is in my dislikes because we are getting to the point where uh, you're going to have people, instead of throwing a fireball, like a practical one with like a little flash flash paper, you're going to have people just sticking their hands up and Kevin Dunn's going to put it in and post. And they're not going to care if the live crowd didn't see it because they don't care about the live crowd's reaction. We know that they just superimpose over crowd noise. And the the matches that you see are heavily edited and like jump cutted. So you don't actually see what the crowd sees. So why not just have all of your sports entertainers doing magical powers during the match? And I think this is just another step in that direction. So, yeah, that, that's my rants. And that's in my uh, dislikes. All right. I get what you're saying. I do. Right. Yeah. Um. Because I was watching SmackDown Live this week, and, uh, you know, Brett's happy, DJ's happy, Malcolm Bivens is happy that Xia Li is on TV. 
Um, they telegraphed it a little bit. Like I, the, 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 the segment overall was really bad. Okay. Like they telegraphed it real bad. Um, it was very indie level in like the pacing and where everyone's like in the, we're, we're supposed to be in the ring and whatnot. Right. Uh-huh. Um, very bad, v- just v- very amateurish for what's supposed to be the, the, the revolutionary force in sports and entertainment. And Xia Li comes out, and they have the lightning effect on her, okay? Yeah. And she's reacting to the lightning effect, like pretending like she's shooting lightning. And I'm like, I get what they're going for, okay? But I can't imagine how bad this plays to the live audience. Like, how confusing this all must be to the live audience. <laughs> um. I know I mentioned a couple of weeks ago when SmackDown was up in our neck of the woods and my friend Kyle ended up going to the show and he's a dyed in the wool, you know, AEW bullet club, elite boy, everything like that. Right. Yeah. And he went to the WWE show. He took his, he took his uh, two nephews and they all had a great time. And then he ended up watching it back. And it was like, he watched like a completely different show. And the fact that the only thing that WWE has left is that live experience. You know, you, you see a lot of stuff going on where them focusing on that little girl who was sad in the crowd a couple weeks ago. Then the mm-hmm. girl who was like right over Liv's shoulder on raw this past week, like just cheering on Becky the whole time. <laughs> Becky, yeah. Becky getting it into, into it with like the fans and the crowd and stuff. Really? The only thing that WWE has left is that live event experience. And when you add like these fantastical elements in for TV, you're, doing something that makes no sense on TV and you're make you're doing something that's confusing to the live crowd. Yeah. And I mean, it's obvious that they really don't care about the live crowd experience because they already got that crowd's money. So they're not going to like get up and leave due mm-hmm. to being confused with what's going on on the, you know, in an introduction or in the ring. Yes. So, um, so my, my dislike yeah, Our last dislike. Now, Adam, you may have heard us talk about this before, and I know they mentioned it quite a bit on uh, Final Wrestling Place. Um, your chocolate bunny, right? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And that has come from me when I used to listen to Adam Carolla's podcast. He made a joke, did a bit that he would say that when you're when you win an Academy Award, it should be made out of chocolate, and every time that you make a shitty movie, you have to take a bite out of it. <laughs> And then once you've taken enough bites out of that Oscar that it's gone, you can no longer they can no longer bill you as an Academy Award winner. Right. Yeah. So that became instead of an Academy Award, it became a chocolate bunny. Um, You know, obviously, we would make that joke when you did something bad in real life. Um, You know, you're taking a bite out of your chocolate bunny. Um, Tim and Marcus uh, make the joke of. That one man who not only ate his bunny, but he ate two other people's bunnies <laughs> on the same weekend. <laughs> and you don't come back from that. Yeah. At least the dogs it, were okay. Well, they were in the enclosed area by the pool, you know? <laughs> um, but there are people in wrestling who have had their bunny eaten, right? Yep. Uh, that are still with us. They didn't eat their own, like, they, they, they didn't leave the mortal coil, but they've pretty much whittled their bunny down to nothing. And... There is actually one man who did that. And ironically, Adam, that same man, through the grace of whatever you pray to at night, got a new bunny. 
because when his dad was profiled on Dark Side of the Ring, <laughs> and we got to see like what he went through as a child, and you know the pathos and the longing that he had for like what was missing in his life, he somehow got a new bunny to replace the old bunny. And then Adam, in a yet even more unprecedented maneuver, he ate his second bunny. The whole thing? He ate, It's gone, okay? Oh, shit. <laughs> because what happens is that second bunny you get, it's much smaller. Yeah. And it's, and it's not like the good chocolate. It's like the shitty, real flimsy, hollow Russell Stover's chocolate bunny. Oh, yeah. So, like, you take a bite and, like, it kind of crumbles a bit, you know? Yep. So like you're taking falls a bite. Yeah, you're taking a bite and then there's collateral damage. <laughs> and a lot of times what happens is, is when you take that bite and then there's collateral damage, then everyone starts to remember like, oh, that's the shit he did to eat his other bunny, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, whether it be telling other wrestlers backstage at an independent show uh, that you had, the biggest baby face in wrestling out there and you shit the comeback might be why you don't get any more independent bookings no more. Uh, you might've been on independent bookings before you got hired by AEW and you would just steal protein bars and shit out of other people's bags. Um, you might've also uh, gone online and defended Teddy Hart beating the shit out of Maria Manic saying, uh, Teddy is a professional athlete. He has trained various martial arts. They did it in the house for entertainment. Get a grip. And then relating Teddy punching her in the face unprovoked to men and women training together with a professional for jujitsu or boxing or any other, you know, combat sport like that, right? Yeah. Um, but then... This week, on his Instagram, he posed uh, in the backstage interview area doing a, a jerk-ass pose, wearing his cancel, cancel culture t-shirt, um, and said, got lots of compliments on my new shirt backstage. I didn't see no one coming forward. <laughs> um, I saw Matt Seidel tweet out saying... You don't understand what it's like to try to explain to someone how stupid that shirt is and them not understanding it. <laughs> um, so uh, we're talking about Brian Pillman Jr. Um, he's a bad wrestler. He's invariably a bad person based on all of this behavior. And we had a good run over the summer where we all felt bad for him because of the tragic passing of his father. And he went and in record time squandered and pissed away any goodwill that he got from that. Mm -hmm. So I say to you, Brian Pillman Jr., go fuck yourself. I hope you die. <laughs> A couple weeks ago when your girlfriend broke up with you and you lost your cell phone and you lost your bag all in the same day. Good. I wish your girlfriend and your cell phone and your suitcase were fine. And I wish you were the one that was lost. <laughs> and I hope this angle on TV uh, with Malachi Black and definitely not Brody King 
taking on you and Griff Garrison is somehow, some way to get Griff and Julia away from you mm-hmm. and you away from TV. And you can go to where a Brian Cage person goes. Not to say that Brian Cage is as bad as you, but again, we could dig a little bit deeper and find out. Um, and any other dipshit in the world of professional wrestling is off TV, off of any sort of high profile anything, and just go the fuck away. Mm. You were too stupid for the wrestling business. And that covers a lot of fucking ground. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I'm obviously, I'm just hearing about all this stuff right now. So I'm, I'm very much enjoying the fact that this is news to me. Because uh, as I That's what this show is about, Adam. It's to educate I you. I know. Like, uh, uh, again, I haven't been on Twitter much and nobody tags me in this stuff. So I'm glad that I'm hearing about it here, just like uh, some of our listeners might be. Um, yeah, so... I agree with you with the whole, like, Brian Pillman Jr. got a blank slate. He just had to not be a fuck-up, you know? And uh, I I think it's time AEW starts releasing some people, you know? Like, it's a shitty thing to say, but uh, I don't. I mean it, you know? Like, I'm not saying a widespread release like WWE does, but you've got some people on your roster that are either pieces of shit or contribute nothing and are pieces of shit. And you're trying to sign a lot of people, and you are signing a lot of people, and you have these jam-packed shows. Why waste any TV time on somebody like Brian Pillman Jr.? Um, but yeah, oh, that's shitty to hear that, that that he's eating his second bunny, and uh, there's no third bunny allowed. Unprecedented. Uh, Unprecedented, yeah. <laughs> Adam. Never yeah. in the history of the, of the wrestling business has somebody gotten a second bunny and then eaten it <laughs> in record time. When was that, like, that Pillman Dark Side of the Ring was on over the summer, wasn't it? I, I feel like it was the first episode of this season of Dark Side. So, yeah, recently. Unprecedented, Adam. Yeah, it, just record time. Wow. All right. We'll, we'll have to see if uh, somehow CM Punk eats his second bunny. Uh, like- listen, uh, CM Punk is, uh, he, okay. So, <laughs> so difficult to say, um, because CM Punk only ate that bunny for me, right? <laughs> well, I think he ate it for, uh, he, he might not have consumed it in its entirety, but I was a huge Phil from Chicago fan and he ate a lot of that bunny for me. You know, I, okay. I think he still had the feet left, you know, so maybe he's got like a full so, or like a, a uneaten new second bunny, and he still has the feet from this, the first one, if that makes sense. But like a lot of his UFC stuff made him eat his bunny in my eyes. So, you know, I'll, I'll say these two statements. Uh, you know, Punk has gone a long way uh, in recent memory, even this past week on uh, Dynamite. He wore that like pro choice uh, shirt yep. for this run in at the end of the night. In Texas, which has that whole big thing of, like, they voted down those laws very recently. And then I have this prepared statement I have to read uh, (laughs) from my legal counsel, not Doug of Wings on Wings. Uh, But I am not at liberty to um, publicly decry CM Punk for at least a calendar year unless he does something publicly that deserves such derision. Oh, 
Sorry. All right. Mark that down, people. Cut that clip out. That's right. It might come up. Get your ringtone makers. (laughs) All right. All right. So we had some homework to uh, discuss here, Adam. I know. I'm rusty. Go ahead. Homework. Homework. It's an obligation you owe your family and yourself. Home, home, homework. Homework, it's an obligation you owe your family and yourself. So I would have to say that's probably the first time you've ever heard that song. Uh, I I heard it when you first said that we had the music. So I went and listened to it when it was edited into the podcast. But it's the first time you're playing it live with our new live to tape method. That's right. Yeah. Uh, so I assigned this past week not a full Chikara show, but the important parts of a recent Chikara show for two reasons. One, I already did it in full over the summer on the Board to Life podcast. Uh, and two, you know, we're just hitting some storyline beats. Uh, not to say that this was a B show, but it is what it is. Um, and I assigned four segments from the actual show itself and then a couple uh, YouTube event centers. If you yourself did not get a chance to watch it but still want to follow along, you can head over to our good friend Kevin Hellion's website, masslibrary.com, where on Thursdays he does put up uh, his rundown, recap, etc. of whatever we end up assigning for the homework. Yeah, and I read Kevin's review, and uh, I will say that Kevin was unhappy that it wasn't a full show, and I will say to him, nobody was stopping you from watching and reviewing the whole thing. That's right. He's done it before. Nobody forced him to watch the uh, the, the fucking Cody Rhodes reality show, but he did that. <laughs> well, I did assign him the first episode, but then he got hooked and he ran with it. <laughs> oh, then he got hooked, huh? <laughs> yeah. All right. But yes, as uh, Joe mentioned before, Joe assigned me and all of the listeners Chikara piece of the action, but not in its entirety. A couple things here and there. Uh, starting things off before the show begins... We have a 10-bell salute for Sapphire, the the pigeon who had sadly expired the night before. Um, And that was in Chicago the night before, right? The last show you had me watch? That's correct. Yeah. Uh, I didn't realize that these were in back-to-back nights, so that works out nicely. But uh, there is a 10-bell salute. Most of the crowd paid respect. Uh, A couple people who might not have been privy to what happened the night before not showing their showing the respects, but uh, I know myself. Uh, I took my hat off, and uh, I, you know, with a tear in my eye, Joe, I, I watched that ten bell salute. But uh, I will say this, Joe. I looked at the listing of what you had me watch, and then I looked at the match listing, and shame on you. All right, shame on you because I had to go and do some extra credit. And That's- I started things off with a little uh, Sydney Bacabella coming out, Joe. You were going to deprive me of Sydney Bacabella, who was in a bad mood. And uh, the reason why he was in a bad mood is that on Sundays, he's normally in Texas working for Fritz von Erich. Uh, but unfortunately, he was in Cleveland. And uh, nobody likes to be in Cleveland. But uh, De- Devastation Corporation, his tag team, they're just too violent for this territory. But he is a man who gives opportunity, Joe. Ooh, there's that word again. 
Yep. So he brings out a couple locals in Rick Vaughn and Roger Dorn. And uh, Devastation Corporation comes out and basically does a murder. Uh, and I had to watch this because I unfortunately have heat with Max Smashmaster, and I don't want to die either. So I had to make sure to listen to this and watch this. And Sydney was on commentary, and a good time was had by all. So you did not assign it, but I did watch that match. And like I said before, that's on you. Um, but I'm glad you watched it. Yeah, and I'm glad you enjoyed it. I, I always do. And one other thing I did watch before we get into the stuff you assigned, also for extra credit, I did not watch the match, but I watched the introduction of Jakob Hammermeyer because I liked seeing him do his introduction and run to the backstage and then come out to his theme music. Uh, and legit question, how do I download that theme music? Because I want to set it as my ringtone. Uh, so you're, I can't remember what the actual, uh, name of it is, but I know the one that they were using was like the non like right. It was the rights free version. Yeah. Um, but if you search into your, any good, uh, Google or YouTube or whatever and search BDK theme, uh, you'll find it. All right. I might get that as my theme tune. Yeah. Uh, the actual song, I know it's a, uh, I can't remember the artist's name. Uh, okay, it's a it's a song called Angle by Romstein. That's the original, but that's, that's not the, the original. Okay. I think if you listen to the original and compare it to the knockoff one, you'll be like, I get it. I want the original now. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll do some comparing later on. Yes. All right. On to the show proper. What was assigned? So we have the match of Redacted and Jigsaw versus oh. The Shard and Deviant. Uh, Leonard F. Carson and Dasher Hatfield on commentary. And it was established that Quack is very angry and he comes right out and attacks the heels like really hot, uh, you know, kind of beating Jigsaw to the ring. And, you know, this is not the best strategy because it kind of makes Quack reckless and, you know, he's not leveraging having a tag team partner in Jigsaw. Eventually, the heels take control and slow the pace down. Um, commentary did a good job of establishing that uh, Quack is out to hurt the uh, Gekito. And Jigsaw wants the win and wants the points. but So, like, right there, the, the baby faces are not getting along in that respect. Uh, lots of double teaming from the Shard and Deviant, focusing on Quack's back. Commentary basically talks about, you know, Quack had multiple back surgeries. Jigsaw eventually turns things around. Quack is busted open from, like, the mouth and the nose. Uh, and he eventually has the Shard put away. Uh, instead of going for the pin, he instead tries for the Chikar special. He asks himself, why am I so violent? Uh, he gets rolled up by Deviant for the three counts. So uh, Deviant and the Shard win. After the match, Quack puts Deviant in an ankle lock, and he's stopped by Jigsaw, who's basically yelling at him, like, this isn't how we are. This isn't how you're supposed to be. Uh, yeah, that, that covers all of those things that happened in this match. Uh, just a more of a storyline beat uh, for where these characters, primarily Quack and Jigsaw, are going next. Yeah. All right. So next up, Mr. Touchdown, Mark Angelicetti versus Saturine. Uh, we ha find out that Saturine is not there. He was originally supposed to be there in a Young Lions Cup defense. 
and we are going to randomly pull a name out of the hat. Um, you know, when Mr. Touchdown comes out, though, uh, Veronica Ticklefeather looking uh, still to be in shock from the previous night's events, you know, just not quite sure where her alliances lay. You know, she, she's not sure she wants to be with Mr. Touchdown. You know, doesn't, you know, I, that's the vibe I'm getting. Is she's looking at him and like, what did we do? What was I a part of? So anyways, we're going to randomly pick a name out of the hat to determine who will face Mr. Touchdown. And uh, during this time, there's lots of pigeon killer chants being directed towards uh, Angela Setti. So a substitution is pulled out of the hat, and it is a lunger blaze. Uh, my favorite part of this is actually the first time I'm seeing, I, you've talked about it many times, but I've never actually seen the, the hat substitution gimmick. So right. I, I like I like seeing like Bryce run up to the curtain and stick his head in and yell Lunger Blaze, you know, looking for then run full speed back down and yell at Gavin, can't find her, she's not here. Uh, the next name that was pulled was Evan Courageous. Uh, surprisingly, Evan Courageous also not there. So finally, a third name is pulled out of the hat, and it is a very long piece of paper. It takes Gavin Loudspeaker a minute or two to unroll the paper. Uh, they don't actually announce who it is, but Gavin and Bryce both like look at each other like, oh shit, it's about to go down. We have the mysterious and handsome stranger coming out to take the place of Saturine. My favorite thing about the introduction, uh, no fanfare, no celebration. Uh, he's no nonsense. He even takes off the badge because tonight, the mysterious and handsome stranger, he's not a man of the law, Joe. He's a man out for vengeance. So, like a house on fire, he goes down, he attacks Mr. Touchdown. Uh, we have Dasher on commentary alone initially. And, uh, you know, Dasher, who admittedly, you know, is in alignment with Mr. Touchdown, he acknowledges that, you know, Mr. Touchdown has this coming for what he did to uh, Sapphire. So, Stranger is basically beating the shit out of Angelicetti, uh, dragging him around the crowd all over the arena, eventually gets it back to the ring. Mr. Touchdown takes control for a little bit. Uh, but the mysterious and handsome stranger hits Mr. Touchdown with a lariat that he learned personally from Stan Hansen, then hits another one. Uh, Bryce is pleading with uh, the mysterious and handsome stranger to, to end it. You know, you've got this guy down. But uh, mysterious and handsome stranger doesn't want the pin. He wants to make Mr. Touchdown, you know, suffer. So uh, at that point, there's a third lariat and Bryce disqualifies the stranger for not trying to win, for excessive punishment, and a Spanish phrase that I don't know, but sounded really cool. Excessivo de castivo, maybe? Something like that. Right. Um, and after that, obviously, there's still some pull apart. You know, they keep going at each other, mostly just uh, Angela Setti, like, running away and uh, Mysterious and Handsome Stranger, you know, having to be held back by the, the ring crew and the young boys and stuff like that. Uh, but, like, not much of a match, more of a beatdown, but you know, awesome furthering of the storyline. And uh, I'm looking forward to like a dog collar match or a hell in the cell or some kind of big burn, you know, blow off to this feud. Uh, yeah, so it'll be very interesting as you see what ends up happening uh, with this, of course. Uh, but I like this because it was so different to see like something like this heated and wrestled essentially as a brawl, which didn't happen very much in Chikara. So when it did happen in Chikara, it made it that much more special. And uh, this was at the old, it was in Cleveland. It was at Turner's Hall, which was the old AIW venue. Uh -huh. um, if you look in the crowd, you could see your John Thorns and lots of other AIW regulars in the crowd 
or doing security, et cetera, et cetera. And I will say that uh, because of this match, uh, the mysterious and handsome stranger may have had some heat with the Cleveland office for breaking some of the chairs. <laughs> nice. Well, it's a good thing he's mysterious and they'll never know who to send the bill to. That's true. That's true. Yeah. All right, the last match that you assigned, Sugar Dunkerton and Icarus versus Chuck Taylor and Johnny Gargano, basically members of Fist colliding. And Icarus brings out a roll of barbed wire uh, as he's kind of walking around doing his trash talk, which I've said many times before I am a huge fan of, uh, including the when he singles out the kid wearing the XFL shirt. Uh, and obviously as Icarus would be known to do, he cuts his finger on the roll of barbed wire. But Icarus wants to side with the other members of Fists right off the bat. You know, he wants to team up with Gargano and Chuck Taylor. He does the removing of the jacket spot, the crowd boos. You know, he has a t-shirt underneath that says, you know, there's a best in the world shirt and a worst in the world shirt than him and uh, I guess, I don't forget, Chuck Taylor or Gargano are wearing. But the point is, after he takes off the jacket, the t-shirt's there, he takes that off, he gets the even more booze. Um, Leonard F. Carson and Bryce Remsburg on commentary. Uh, Sugar basically doesn't want any part of this. You know, initially he tries to leave. He's told to lay down and take a dive because Gargano and Taylor, they want to get the second point. And, uh, you know, Icarus is all for basically, you know, ending this so that the members of Fist don't have to fight each other. You know, he just wants to lay down. So Icarus is like telling Sugar to lay down. He won't do it. Uh, Icarus himself tries to lay down and Sugar goes in and, you know, breaks that up. Icarus fools Sugar into sliding into the ring alone, gets the boots done to him. Uh, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of just two on one and borderline three on one stuff early on as as Sugar Dunkerton is left to to fight off the other members, like the real heel members of Fest. Um, eventually, Icarus gets a quote unquote hot tag, tries to take another dive. He accidentally hits one of his opponents and that leads to him basically starting to compete. Commentators basically say it's a, a matter of pride at this point. Uh, and are people applauding Icarus? You know, he puts the jacket back on, you know, in the ultimate baby face move. He puts the jacket on. The crowd is is really cheering for him. Uh, Icarus is about to shake hands with Sugar, but he's taken out with the super kick. Uh, Sugar is hit with the Hertz donut and the team of Gargano, Chuck Taylor get the win. So I threw this in here because, one, it was one of those matches um, that was from the Chikarba metrics things where Sugar was put into fist uh, yeah. against his will. And then how are they going to coexist sort of thing, right? Yeah. And so another thing, um, you know, we're coming up maybe about six months or now, six months or so from now in the timeline. I think like eight months in time. Uh, from the timeline of the Chikara shutdown angle and all this other stuff that was going on. And there's a lot of people that all like to say, oh, no, you know, this was all done because Quack was doing this because he didn't want his wife at the time, soon to be ex-wife, taking Chikara away from him. So he quick had to throw this together to shut down Chikara and whatever it was. Yeah. So this has been in the plan for a very long time. Uh, this show was from, I think, like late October, early November. Um, 
two or three months earlier, the entire next two years of storyline was was told to me by Quack. And the linchpin to everything was that Icarus was going to be the baby face. And I more or less said to Quack, no fucking way. Um, (laughs) You know, Icarus was and still is to this day one of my, you know, a a very good friend of mine. Uh, I talked to him all the time. And, you know, he was someone, one of the first people that I got to become friendly with when I start doing stuff with Chikara. Um, And... With the heel persona was just such a thing when Quack told me, it's like, oh no, Chikar's or Icarus is going to be like the lead baby face. And I'm like, no fucking way. And I saw this match live calling it. And I'm like, oh fuck, he's going to be a huge baby face. <laughs> and it's one of those things where, you know, no matter how smart you are to the business and how things go and they tell you things or you see things or you read about it or whatever it is. And it's a lot of like after the fact sort of stuff, but so often they say when you turn someone, the bigger, the heel, the bigger, the baby face on that turn or the bigger, the baby face, the bigger, the heel when they turn, you know? Yeah. 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 And like, I very much was in that Chikara bubble. And when I was told that, Icarus, you know, a year from now or six months from now or eight months from now, whatever it was going to be, was going to be positioned as the company's top baby face. I'm like, I don't see it. But then calling the match, you know, and seeing that tease of Icarus be a little bit of a baby face in that match and the crowd get behind him because it's one thing to try it. And it's another thing to have the crowd come with you and you could do it and the crowd could shit on it or get the undesired reaction or whatever it was, but he did it. The crowd came with him, and I'm like, son of a bitch, it's going to happen. And it did. Yeah. Um, it was short lived, but it certainly does happen in the timeline of the stuff that we're currently watching. Yeah. Like he could have, you know, turned on Gargano and Taylor and it wouldn't have had the same effect as him just putting on the jacket. Like yeah. that subtle movement there did more to make him a baby face than anything else he could have done in that match. You know? Absolutely. Uh, and fun fact about Icarus, uh, pre-podcast, he was the very first wrestler to ever follow me on Twitter. I've never had any interactions with him, but he follows me. Oh, okay. <laughs> first one, like, long time before we started doing this podcast. So that always just kind of stuck out. Ah, oh, I think uh, more than likely because it's your friend of mine. I don't think yeah. he listens to this podcast. Oh, no, no. I know he yeah. listens to uh, the comic book show, but that's yeah, that about w- it. It was probably just from, like, me being talked about as the fancy gentleman in the old long box lore, you know? There you go. <laughs> but uh, one more thing before we wrap up the show for extra credit. I did uh, just kind of fast forward to the main event, and I watched the 3.0 promo before their match. Just because I wanted to see if any of the, the guys in the main event had promo time, and, and they were the only ones. So making it a point, if I am uh, already got the show up on Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium, I'll, I'll seek out... Uh, promos if they're there you know sure and this and so another thing there's a lot of stories like i said go find my appearance from the summer when i was on board to life if you really want the deep dive on everything on this show uh but this was at the very least for the time that i was doing chikara at that point since 2005 um so quack's match was at intermission or right before intermission and then after intermission he left so like the second half of this show takes place without quack being there which was the first time that that had ever happened in like seven years or the entire history of the company. He just kind of like 
left Bryce in charge and said, I trust you enough to make sure, like, we don't burn down the building and no one dies, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, then, like, that's kind of the, go, you know, just kind of go back. And if you watch the second half of the show with that in mind, that, like, Quack is not in the building. So, nice. Yeah. All right. I would say without adult supervision, but uh, that's definitely not the uh, the right take for that. But for sure, a uh, couple things you had me watch on YouTube, and it starts things off with an update from Kevin Steen, where he talks about having to pick a team for Cybernetico in New York. Kind of shits on Shakara by saying it's just a bunch of little bees, which I thought was awesome. Instead of ants, he's got it mixed up with bees. Uh, and Joe, wouldn't you know it? It is hard to fill four holes, and he could barely fill one, which uh, I thought was a great a little line that would not fit in Shakara. But uh, he basically picks his team of himself, Jimmy Jacobs, the Bravado Brothers, the Briscoe Brothers, and the Young Bucks. And he is putting his history with the Bucks aside. And this is definitely not Team Ring of Honor because we have the uh, Campionos de Parejas on his team. It is. It's Team Ring of Honor. Oh, but you said it wasn't. No, it is. It is. I know. I know. I'm kidding. All right. So next up, we have an update from Director of Fun, Wink Vavasor. And Eddie Kingston, the captain of Team Chikara, he doesn't get to pick his team. That's up to the director of fun. And Wink basically chooses the trio of Spectral Envoy, 3.0, Gran Akuma, and Tim Donst. And that's pretty much it for that one. Yeah, so, uh, you know, a couple people, specifically Donst, maybe uh, Kingston, don't get along with. Uh, so next up, we have a traditional event center with Bryce Remsburg. He runs down some of the Cybernetico, uh, Cybernetico Rises main event. I like the uh, Batman graphic that they have going on for that. And Bryce throws it to backstage where Bryce is confronting an irate jigsaw. Obviously, I think this is post-match him and Quack, you know, the tag match. Yes. Uh, and Jigsaw is, you know, not happy about the way that Quack and Bush was behaving. And when I was reading Kevin's review on Mass Library, he had pointed out, and I didn't catch this when I was watching because I was looking at it on my phone, uh, was Jigsaw going back to talk to the Shard, or was the Shard in the room that Jigsaw was in, or something I missed there? He sure was. Okay, see, I didn't catch that, so I'm glad that I read Kevin's write-up. Uh, and also, Bryce basically previews a couple more matches from the Cybernetico. Uh, and, yeah. Okay. No, no, so that's it. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, again, as I mentioned, beginnings of where, uh, you know, Quack's character and Jigsaw's character is going as the season is starting to wrap up. Okay. And lastly, we have an, uh, a little interview or, like, audio clip sent in with really good audio from Jake the Snake Roberts where he talks about how Mr. Touchdown killed Sapphire. And, you know, if you're going to kill a man, something that a man loves as much as Sapphire, uh, you may as well have fucked a stranger's mother. You know, like that's uh, those are, those are pretty, uh, pretty intense little promo. And it ends with hashtag immortalize Sapphire. And obviously, as you pointed out last week, you know, Jake Roberts knows a little thing or two about having a beloved pet in a, in a bag get killed, even though Sapphire was more than just a pet. You know, it was a trusted companion and tag team partner. I think this was uh, a one-taker um, done by Dr. Keith Lipinski of AAW fame in Chicago. They had brought Jake in. and this. Uh, let's say that this was in a not bottom-of-the-barrel time for Jake, but definitely not <laughs> a great time for Jake. 
Uh, sometimes when you get these legends to do something for free, you got one shot at it and you got to make the best out of it. Yeah. And uh, this was the best they made out of it. I think it's the next year or maybe it was the year prior. Um, who ended up being a little bit more professional, of course. They had Rick Martell record something as like words of encouragement for 3.0. Um, they had Lex Luger do something for Green Ant as he was going on his matchup against Tursus from a two from a year or two prior. Um, so you know, Quack would always try to get these legends to do things, and I think this one reaching out to Jake and how this one turned out was maybe the last time for a little while. Yeah. All right, but all in all, you know, little little snackable Chikara homework. I liked what I watched. Yeah. So uh, what do we got uh, for you to be assigned in for next week, sir? Yep. So obviously next week I'm looking at a calendar. Next week we record on December 23rd. You know, we're, we're knocking on the door of Christmas right there. And if you remember, Joe, last year for our Christmas episode, our Christmas extravaganza, if you will, uh, we watched Santa's sleigh, the, uh, obviously the Goldberg, um, summer, <laughs> I was about to say summer blockbuster, but, uh, you know, holiday blockbuster, tentpole franchise, all that stuff. So in the spirit of Santa sleigh, we are going to watch another Christmas movie next week. Okay. Is it another are- wrestling Christmas m- movie? Uh, maybe we are going to watch the 2015 modern Christmas classic Santa's little helper starring this starts right- the, the fucking Miz, doesn't it? The Miz and Paige. Do you ever see this Joe? No, no. I, 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 don't, I don't know about you. I also have not seen it. So I don't know why, but this popped into my head. Uh, it might have been just the Miz on TV giving himself the Hall of Fame uh, award, you know, and showing the clips of all of his cinematic greatness. But yeah, we are going to watch that. I am sure it's somewhere. You'll tell us where we can find it. I know I have ways to find it that uh, are less scrupulous than others. But uh, yeah, the Miz and Paige, Santa's little helper. Oh, I see. I, as I did my search, uh, Santa's sleigh comes up, which we've already watched. Uh-huh. Santa's little helper, which looks to be some sort of bullshit, whatever. Um, but no, this is on Hulu, uh, which you know you need to have the paid subscription for, and it's also on Tubi with ads. Okay, Tubi with ads. I do have Hulu, so I'll watch it on there. After getting fired from his job, a slick, fast-talking businessman, I'm assuming that's the Miz, is thrown (laughs) into an elf competition to become Santa's next second-in-command. Put through a series of rigorous training exercises to prepare for the contest, the Miz and another aspiring elf go head-to-head in the hopes of becoming Santos L. Halper. (laughs) <laughs> see that's the thing the Miz has got like that experience with a competition you know it was on tough enough uh-huh and he, he, he was, was on the real world this. as well right that's like exactly like competition. exactly well i don't know if that's more of just a just stand around and be filmed well did they do like like road like real world road rules challenges and shit that he was probably a part of Ah, uh, sure. I have no idea. <laughs> so I assume for next week, since it's the holidays, we'll do that. Uh, pretty much everything else will be collapsible segments. Uh, you know, uh, uh, yeah, you know, and we'll still do voicemail, right? If uh, yeah. you, the I listener, could... also want to 
uh, watch Santos Els Halper, or you've already seen it, God forbid, and you want to call in and give us your opinions on it. I think that's the subject uh, for next week is if you've seen this movie or if you're going to watch this movie or if you don't want to watch this movie, yell at Adam why this is a horrible idea. <laughs> it's not a horrible idea. It's a Christmas classic, as I'm told. As you're told. Yes. And, and all the voicemails don't have to be shitting on me, Joe. No, no, it's not shitting on you as a person. It's shitting on the decision that you've made for us to watch this movie. Oh, you're going to enjoy it. I have a feeling that the Christmas spirit is going to overtake you and you're going to have a good time. I didn't look at the the runtime on this. Hang on. I think it's like an hour and a half. It's not bad. Runtime. Where am I looking at the runtime on this? Uh, It's an hour 31. Uh, well, that's probably counting end credits, so you'll be okay. Yeah, I don't think there's any, like, spoiler thing at the end credits on this piece of shit. <laughs> I mean, well, what if Christmas established, classic. What if they're setting up, like, the Santa's Little Helper universe? I'm okay. <laughs> I'm okay. All right, but yeah, like you said, no likes, no dislikes next week. Just uh, give us a call, for, you know, whatever you want to talk about. Don't listen to Joe. Don't bury me. Uh, and then we'll do the review of this. And uh, yeah, that'll be next week's very snackable show for the holidays. Yes. And it's also Festivus ne- next week. Wow, airing of grievances. Nice. Oh, that's what the voicemail line is for. <laughs> That's actually a good idea. Yeah, let let uh, the voicemail is your airing of grievances, which I'm sure will be mostly grievances aimed towards me. But, you know, whatever. There'll be a structure to it. Yeah. So next week there'll be a topic. This week's voicemail. No topic. Free for all. Uh, let's get right into it. Hey, guys. It's uh, Tom Green. So I didn't call in last week. Um, I was busy getting people on Twitter to pay for my speeding ticket. You know, it's crazy how much, how fast your car can go when you're not paying attention because you're trading in all your morals to take bookings with homophobes and bigots and all that jazz. Um, anyway, so I have a, a grift, I mean, a mission or a, a chance for you guys to make some money. Um, I'm starting a podcast network. Hear me out. I'm not going to pay you directly. Right. What we're going to do is pay you by the download. Okay. Despite the what what others have said and articles or what I might have tweeted, I swear I was joking. I am not <laughs> going to charge you guys to do podcasts for me. I swear that's not going to happen. I swear I was joking. So mm. uh, just hear me out. Um, this this uh, Jerry doesn't know about this because if you could not tell him, it'd be mm. great. Um. But yeah, I'm, I think it's a great opportunity for all of us. There's that. Uh, no guarantees. None of that. None of that holding us down. We're gonna all make a lot of money together, you guys. So uh, hear me out and let me know what you think. Bye. I'll tell you what, Joe. Uh, I am beyond excited about this opportunity, and uh, I think we're really in, in some uncharted waters here. <laughs> I think it's uncharted territory, but yeah. I'm not. Uh, it's being they're, subtle, Joe. Oh, okay. I was going to say, they're calling it Wrestling Open, and it's so close, they just could have called it Wrestling Opportunity and been honest about it, you know? Yeah. Um, and I know I kind of went in on Drew a little bit last week because of, you know, the perceived shadiness in regards to it, and I did read all the press and all the articles about it where he refers to it essentially as Wrestling's Open Mic Night or whatever it is. Um, 
I'd like to be proven wrong. Um, I still think it's a bad idea, uh, run dishonestly, but we shall see. And oh. what? No, go ahead. I, I was going to say, I know they talked about it on pod Van Dam in regards to, uh, Tom, thank you, by the way, for your call mentioning, uh, the whole Effie speeding ticket thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know Ed was very upset that people cared, um, about, Effie getting a speeding ticket, and I think Ed was missing the point that Effie got a speeding ticket, um, and more so the fact that he was quote unquote joking about having people pay for it until a bunch of people are like, "Why should we pay for your speeding ticket?" And then he's like, "Oh, I was just joking. This was just fun. I, you know, whatever. Um, I care less about Effie's speeding ticket and more about you know Effie maybe being a dishonest grifter, but you know." I say get all the speeding tickets you want. You know, you get a, you get enough of them, you go to jail. It's a cool thing, you know? <laughs> Who would have thought, you know, when this feud started between him and Broski, that Broski would be the beloved one of the two? Let's not go crazy. Broski's, <laughs> Broski's still confused in regards to um, pretty much everything. Uh, we said uh. at the top of the show, you're like, oh, Kevin lets me know about all of Broski's stupid tweets. And I'm like, yeah, that's just all of Broski's tweets, man, you know? <laughs> uh, yes, but uh, thank you, Tom, for I, at least not pointing out that you were actively pooping during that call. Right. I'm just yeah. assuming that he poops during every call. I uh, Yeah, I, I mean, I'm sure he was, but he just didn't point it out that time. Right. All right, next caller. Hello, Adam. Hello, Joe. It is Kevin Ford here. Hope you boys are doing well. I am calling because I went to Ring of Honor's final battle this past Saturday. Great show. Had an awesome time. Very bittersweet, uh, but a really great show. And if that's their last show, uh, I feel like they can feel good about going out on top. But I'm not talking about the show in general with my call. I have a question for you based on something I experienced. I missed a lot of the main event because to my left were, almost, were two fans who almost got into a fight. So I was on the floor because – uh a couple of my friends got married, and they're big wrestling fans, so I got floor seats for this event for them as a wedding gift. They loved it, had a blast. Uh, but the way that the building works is there's the, you know, bleachers going basically up from the floor, you know, and then rising up. And at some point during the show, a couple people from the risers came down to the floor to stand and watch the show from the guardrail. I personally don't care about that kind of thing, but the problem was is they were blocking the view of a lot of people behind them in the stands, and they were getting yelled at or whatever to move, get out of the way, and everybody but one guy remained steadfast to the point where somebody from the bleachers came down, got in his face because he had his he had a son who was there and couldn't see the show, and they got into an argument, and it took staff way too long to get there, and it looked like they were about to come to blows. So all this to say, have you ever witnessed a fist fight at a wrestling show, uh, or have you ever been in one? I feel like the answer is no for that second part, but I mm. found it very interesting that like wrestling fans who typically are relatively meek, not looking to start shit, uh, kind of keep themselves, but you know, alcohol flows, things like this happen. Just curious if you ever witnessed any fist fights at a wrestling show yourself, and in Joe's case, Maybe had to uh, take care of a couple fans who were getting into a heated argument. <laughs> Thanks so much for taking my call. Joe the Enforcer. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, go ahead. You first, Adam. 
So I, I just want to say that this this call immediately made me think about when I was watching Danielson versus Hangman this week. Just for whatever reason, the first half of that match, and it might have been why I was just kind of not loving the first half, is I was infuriated. And this happens at like seemingly every fucking AEW show, but the fans in the first row uh, facing hard cam were standing for the entire match, and I was so mad. And it was just four fucking guys in their 40s, 50s, one of them wearing like a, one of those like thank you, Brandon, or whatever that stupid shirt, but they're standing for the entire match. And if I was in the second row of a friggin' televised show and those seats are not cheap and the person in front of me is fucking standing during a match, they wouldn't have fucking legs to stand on like that. I was mad watching it and like, and it wasn't obstructing my view, but I was just so pissed off. Uh, but to answer Kevin's question, no, I don't think I've ever seen a fight at a wrestling show. I've seen plenty of fight at sporting events and football games and baseball games, but uh, nothing at wrestling. And uh, I don't believe anybody's ever tried to start shit with me because, again, look at wrestling fans. It wouldn't end well for them. Uh, but no, I don't know. But like I said, I was just super pissed off watching that AEW show with those fuckers standing in the entire show. Uh, yeah, I'm with you. Um, I got no problem of moving your seat. If you see like some seats open and you want to get a better shot, that's fine. As long as you're not impeding anyone else's views, especially like a kid's view. Um, even at like the movies or any sort of event where there's any sort of tiered seating, I'm very conscious to make sure that like my wife and kid are not seated behind the giant. And to yeah. make sure that I myself, who's not a giant, but a man of sizable, you know, <laughs> carriage, am not impeding anyone else's view. Um, to answer your questions, though, Kevin, as someone who frequented ECW arena shows from 1995 to 1997, I've seen dozens of fans get into fights over nonsense. Just drunken idiots bumping into each other, spilling their drinks on each other, and then just brawling for no reason, right? <laughs> See, I, uh, I never, I've been to a bunch of ECW shows, never in Philly, but I feel like all the ones I went to in Wilkes-Barre and Scranton and Jim Thorpe and whatever, you know, you would have people being thrown into other people, you know, because of the, the crowd, you know, wrestlers fighting in the crowd and people getting trampled. And it was always like you'd knock somebody over and then they would just get up and be like, bro, you okay? Yeah, I'm good, bro. And it was just part of the atmosphere. I, I feel like I never saw a fight, at least not one between fans. It was always wrestlers and fans. <laughs> you know, and I think that's a different story. And then as for at Chikara, you know, there was never any fisticuffs amongst the fans. But anytime that there was someone getting a little un unruly, um, Chikara kind of was ahead of the curve on having a large quotient of their fan base being like art kids or nerds who didn't want to get into trouble or that sort of thing. So, you know, they would always come and tell the teacher, which was me, and I would do a very good job of kind of like diffusing the issue and kind of grabbing the to be offending party by like the crook of their elbow. And she's like, oh, hey, man, can I talk to you over here for a second? Yeah. And then, you know, kind of move them to a different seat or move them out of the uh, facility. Yeah. And I saw a lot of MDK gang guys going, uh, talking a lot of shit at that Atlantic City GCW show. But uh, they were all talking. I didn't see a single uh, anybody touching anybody else. Mm -hmm. 
Because that's right. all the that's all the MDK gang is. Just all talk, Joe. All right, all right. Let's not say <laughs> anything. Uh, I'm gonna get you in trouble. Let's go to our next call. Hey guys, Kevin here. Um, so I was watching the homework and writing up my thoughts on it. And any listeners can read that over at MathLibrary.com. Cheap plug. And Dasher said something about the previous night's show, that he didn't get to watch match because he was busy. And I've noticed that at many indie wrestling shows I've been to where a promoter, other wrestlers, whoever it might be, is busy doing the moment-to-moment operations that are needed to have a show run and can't enjoy watching it. I, I kind of think that if you love wrestling, being a promoter would be the last thing that you should do because you're not going to be able to watch any of the wrestling. So it's curious for the two of you, uh, Joe, with all the shows you've attended and, and the various duties that you've had to do at various shows. Adam, I know you've had some shows, not as many as Joe, but you've had some. But you also uh, will go outside to, quote, rip a heater, uh, <laughs> might get a drink, something like that. Can either of you come up with uh, examples or times where something happened at a show, but because you were elsewhere, you completely missed something that you would have loved to have seen live and been in the moment? Uh, Merry Christmas, guys, in case there isn't a show next week. If there is, I'll just call in again. Bye. <laughs> So that's, you know, obviously we don't screen these calls and I do thank our listeners for not saying anything, uh, cancelable. Um, you know, obviously you do say something like that you just immediately get thrown under the bus and we absolve all knowledge of you and anything that you're up to. Um, but there have been times more times than not where, um, I think one of the bigger ones was very early in my Chikara career. I was out doing commentary and there was a fly-in. And I had no fucking problem. It's a very famous story on the indies of this guy who came in from the UK by the name of Jay Phoenix. And he had stolen out of the, you know, out of stuff, uh, out of people's gear bags in the locker rooms, right? Mm. And I was out doing commentary. So, like, I missed, like, the whole getting caught and the altercation and everything else like that. But as for a match or anything like that, usually if there's something going to happen big, you know, I'm kind of well aware of it. And if I'm not assigned on commentary or work in the door or whatever it was, you know, I make sure that I'm there so I don't miss it, you know, but kind of being involved helps you. And, uh, and I'm just trying to think of going to live shows. Like I went to go like take a piss break or something. I missed something. I can't, nothing's jumping out at me, but <laughs> usually a lot of times it'd be something that maybe happens backstage or like, uh, there have been times where like people had shown up. Um, so, Oh, so this is a good one. Um, AIW when, uh, Shayna Baszler was wrestling for AIW mm. and they did the whole thing with, uh, her winning the title and like Ronda Rousey and like that whole crew showed up. Right. Okay. I was out doing commentary the whole time. So everybody's downstairs hanging around with Ronda Rousey, shooting the shit, getting Mark pictures with her, so on and so forth. I had no idea she was there. I was out (laughs) doing commentary the whole time. Right. Mm -hmm. So Shayna wins the match. She's up on the thing. And I think they were kind of hiding from Shayna and they were supposed to surprise her that she was there. And so she's on the, on the, the entrance way. And, Ronda and everyone comes out and like Shane is like, oh shit. And I'm like, 
oh shit, Ronda Rousey's here. How cool is that? And I'm like, oh, she's probably been here for a while, and I completely missed it. <laughs> nice. I don't have any stories, like, obviously, from uh, the very few times I worked shows. You know, I just, I was there the whole time, and I, if anything happened that I missed, I don't know about. And as far as ripping heaters goes, uh, every once in a while, you know, you go to a, an indie show, and uh, you designate a certain match as being the heater ripping match. And, uh, you know, you come back and you didn't really miss anything because you knew that's why you designated it as such. So, uh, there was a match. I won't say who it was during the last LVAC where, uh, myself and a lot of people said that this is the match for ripping heaters. And I went out and I talked to Sydney Bacabella for a little bit. So I feel like I, I, uh, I gained something in going outside for a smoke as opposed to watching that match. But, uh, yeah, I don't have a good story. All Thanks right. for the call, though. Yes, thank you for the call, Kevin. Next call. Hey, guys, this is uh, DJ from uh, uh, We Need Wrestling and uh, Wings on Wings, uh, at underscore Wings on Wings on Twitter, uh, <laughs> friend of the show. Uh, just wanted to call in really quick and, you know, just uh, just give a little bit of praise. You know, I've, uh, I've known Joe for a very long time. Uh, probably longer than he'd admit to anyone in public. And, uh, you know, I just, I want to take some time away from, from him and really <laughs> sort of praise his co-host, uh, who I haven't known quite as long. Uh, really brings a lot to the show, you know, really just makes it interesting, adds a lot to the, the overall aspect of the show and really makes it an enjoyable listen. Uh, so this call is for me to give a little shout out uh, to Todd. And uh, just to tell Todd uh, mm-hmm. how much I uh, I just like his contributions and I like the conversations they have and I like his opinions on the oh, what huh oh it's not that show <laughs> oh uh, shit bye <laughs> uh, oh. at least at least it was a bit I saw coming down the freeway. Yeah. <laughs> and a bit I uh, can absolve myself from any involvement in. Yeah, if DJ thought for a second that I thought he was about to say something nice about me, uh, that he is mistaken. But thank you for the call, DJ. Thank I listened, you, DJ. I listened to Wings on Wings this week, and it was because Todd was on. So he's got me for another couple episodes, but that's it. <laughs> Todd was actually on last week, but I get you. Well, I listened to last week's episode today. Oh, okay. Gotcha, gotcha. All right, last call. Pink button time. Ooh. Hey, guys, it's Ed from Tazi and Dam. And uh, I'm currently playing some TEW. It's uh, 2003 in Pro Wrestling Noah. I tampered with some stuff. And you know what? We're going to pretend like Hayabusa never broke his neck and uh, hired Hayabusa. Put him in with that roster, and it's, it's fucking great, boys. Uh, so I was just wondering if there's anybody that you could move from, uh, one place into another place, uh, wrestling wise, who, who would you pick? Uh, cause, uh, my answer is definitely Hayabusa in, uh, 2003, Noah, like peak Noah, golden years Noah. That would have been dope. Hey, bye. 
Is he talking about moving somebody from the uh, being dead or crippled into <laughs> non-being dead or crippled? No, you always hear those things. It's like, oh, this era, like this wrestler, he's born of the wrong era. You know, if he was born like 20 years later and he came around then, he'd be a superstar. Or like somebody now, it's like, oh, man, they would have been a superstar in the 80s or something like that, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. But Ed is very particular and very specific in like, you know, Hayabusa specifically in 2003 Noah, you know? I got you. Well, I don't know if I have one. I'll default to you on this. Okay. One. I got, I could, I could go with like 40 of them. All right. right? How about one? <laughs> let's go with one. And I would say peak era. And let's say that's 96 to 99 Chris Candido today. And I don't care if that's the Indies. I don't care if that's AEW. I don't care if that's anywhere but WWE. But he was someone who was just operating at a completely different level. And there were people that got it if you weren't smart to the business. There were people who got it if you were smart to the business. And then he was doing stuff just working so smart and in such a way that even if you were smart to the business, like, you didn't get what he was doing or why he was doing the things that he was doing it, unless you watch his matches like two or three times. Mm -hmm. um, maybe the most underrated, underappreciated wrestler of his day. Uh, if someone was just him in 2021, 2022, they'd be the biggest star in wrestling. Yeah. Okay. All right, cool. Thanks for the call, Ed. You got no one? Yeah, like I said, I, I'll just say... Uh, why don't we throw Stiffy McGee back into like the nineties and let him just go in there and just like <laughs> wrestle Sid and we can see who's the best, you know, well, JB would be the best. J because you know, you book that match during softball season. Sid doesn't show up. <laughs> JB wins by forfeit. Yeah. <laughs> or we can uh, send the boar uh, back to uh, become the, the, the fourth member of uh, fortune or not fortune. God damn it. Uh, evolution. Made of it. Oh, I thought you were gonna say main event mafia. No, no, evolution. I would I I would send Boar to like ninety-six WWE. Well, sure, but I mean that would be <laughs> where he would fit in better, but I'm saying I'm sure he would rather because I know he loves the suit with the collar like over the the edge, you know, like the the old uh the triple H and Orton and Batista sure. look there. Okay, I'm sorry, fifth member of Evolution, my bad. I would I, no, but board of '96 WWE just so that uh, he could be the one that compromises Shawn Michaels to a permanent end. Oh, you know what? I take it back. Hashtag <laughs> unbook the bore. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks everyone who called in. Uh, we'll tweet it out, but the number, of course, 570-846-0897. Adam mentioned next week we actually have a topic. It's the Festivus airing of the grievances. Whether it be your grievances against someone else, myself, Adam, the show in general, um, you know, <laughs> other or podcasts, to, other podcasts or whatever it is. Um, I think next week um, I'm going you know, I, I was going to say I was going to make joke and say next week I'm going to read my podcast pet peeves on the show. But uh, <laughs> maybe the week, maybe the week after I will, since I've okay. read that on other, like I've read that on After Dark. And I assume that like people who listen to one of the shows don't listen to all of the shows. But anyway. Yeah. Right. Uh, like I said, next week, Festivus airing of the grievances. Um, plug time. 
internet wrestling uh, TV, aka Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium. When you sign up as a new subscriber, use the promo code at odds. Does not give you anything free, but it lets Jerry know that you came to us. And if you stick with your subscription, which you absolutely will, uh, we get some sort of kickback on the back end from that. Uh, there's tons of stuff. I think they said there's like six shows streaming this weekend. Um, but the one that I'm most looking forward to is Saturday Night Baby, Beetlejuice Baby, Saturday Night. Uh, AIW Returns. Um, what the hell's the name of the show? We've had a few hits a few years ago. Uh, I know that's a reference to something that I don't know. Yeah, I have no idea. Right, right. Uh, stacked up card. Uh, Derek Dillinger versus Kaplan versus Tom Lawler versus Levi Everett. Jocelyn Navarro taking on Chase Oliver. Riley Rose taking on AEW star Lee Johnson. Uh, 9 to 5 taking on Bulking Season. Uh, members only taking on the main event. Uh, and then in I what I would say your triple main event, uh, you have the AIW Tag Team Championship in a ladder match as the Philly Marino Experience, aka Broski Number One and Broski Number Two, taking on the Rip City Shooters in uh, the aforementioned Stiffy McGee, Josh Bishop, and Mister IWTV himself, Wes Barkley, uh, Ethan Page taking on. Uh, Mr. Six WrestleMania is the star mm-hmm. of Muppets Most Wanted and Leprechaun Origins Swoggle. And uh, I'd say the other part of that triple main event is Ziggy Heim taking on Bill Alfonso. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's a match that they have been building and I've wanted since the first time these two were across each other in the corners of Derek and Matt Justice, I think back in May. And uh, now we're going to get it, and I fear for both of their lives. Uh, <laughs> but I was watching intently Saturday night. Yeah, no, definitely. I've been lo- My very little exposure of AIW, that's been something that I've wanted as well. And I listened uh, to, not the, this is not the plugs part quite yet, but uh, I listened to Wrestling Cheers. Uh, it was last week's episode, but I'm a little behind on everything. But I listened to Justin talking to Swoggle. And, yeah, yeah, that was a really good interview. Yeah, and it was just basically like an hour of them like talking about dolls and like what not to eat. So if I'm ever on an episode of Wrestling Cheers, I just want to talk about dolls. If he tries to bring up wrestling, I'm just like going to have internet problems. <laughs> and I'll say this to Justin. Don't let Dylan shame you that you record your show over Skype. Yeah, Dylan don't know yeah. yeah, Dylan don't know nothing. Everybody else who records over something other than Skype, it always sucks. Uh, the Pod Van Dam boys use Ringer. And they pay for it, and that fucking thing sucks. Uh, <laughs> John and fucking Steve Guy for the AIW podcast do, like, StreamYard or whatever it is, and they pay for it. And, like, it sounds like John's cat, Mr. Whiskers, is mic'd up just as much <laughs> as they are. So you're, you're spending – you're going to spend a lot of money for a slight change in quality and probably a lot more work because those things are unreliable. And I know a lot of people shit on Skype and Hey man, I've been using Skype to do podcasts for almost 10 years now. And I can count on one hand, the number of times that I've had issues that were not me fucking up and forgetting to hit record or something, getting to hit record or shit like that. Um, on one hand and still have enough fingers left over to pick the pickles off the hot dog that I have. You know what I mean? <laughs> so yeah. don't let Dylan, unless he's paying for it, 
Mr. Mr. Moneybags, Dylan Hornswoggle Possum himself. If he wants to pay for you to get this upgraded equipment, then I say by all means, go top of the line, get double roadcaster mics, get it all. Yeah. But if he's just <laughs> shaming you to shame you, you're doing fine. Don't worry about him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, T Public Store, everything's 30% off until the 19th. Uh, you can get there at tinyurl.com slash longboxheroes mothership of the soon to be named network so that's where all of our stuff is you get a bunch of designs inspired by this show longbox heroes longbox heroes after dark final wrestling plays hit my music uh on anything from shirts to throw pillows to garment bags to everything in between um and also you could help us out even more directly by making any and all of your amazon purchases through our affiliate link which is in the show notes to every single one of these episodes um there's still time to order things for Christmas. Uh, Christmas is nine days away. You order now. You got Prime shipping. Add plus or minus an extra day on Prime. Uh, I had people dropping shit off at my house. I had them delivering things at 6 o'clock this morning. Mm. So, again, they're, they know they're under the gun. Uh, and actually, you know what? I'll say this. A friend of mine um, has, like, a little gimmick outside his house where he has, like, waters and snacks and coffees and shit for, like, the the postal people like say like hey take this you know thank you for all you're doing for this holiday season so you know if you can spare it like do it you know it's just something nice to pass it along to those folks that are busting their ass uh especially this holiday season uh well, but i'll, I'll it, tell you I, I i got heat with my my letter carrier so i don't know if yeah you're I'm the only it. one i think adam adam has videograph proof that he's okay <laughs> of not doing it yeah if you have ringer footage of your male person fucking giving a people's elbow to your <laughs> fucking ringside collectibles package, then you don't need to leave them some waters outside your house, right? This is true. They might think I poisoned it. <laughs> exactly. Um, so uh, Amazon affiliate link uh, doesn't cost you anything extra. They call it an advertising fee. Because if it wasn't for this show, you wouldn't know that Amazon exists. I call it the thing that makes Adam happy at the end of the month when he gets his cut of the fucking money. Yeah. Uh, notable purchases through the Amazon click-through this past week include uh, somebody really wanted uh, an Anthony Hopkins action figure. So they purchased the Marvel Hasbro Legends uh, <laughs> Odin action figure. That's a nice figure. Uh, I don't know. The I'm picture looks all right. I'd have to see it like minty in person, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, somebody purchased a Franklin Sports official size lacrosse goal. Just how big is an official size lacrosse goal? <laughs> an official size lacrosse goal is, I would say, at least six feet by four feet. Like, I'm picturing a soccer net, and I don't know if that's, like, too big or too small. I don't know. I but. I still have screen share on. I'll show you. Oh, okay. Do 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 do. It's thinking. Yep. Oh, it's six by six by something. Okay. Yes. So there you go. All right. It's, a, it's pretty much just a square soccer net instead of a yeah. wide. Interesting. Well, hey, thanks for purchasing. That's a big boy purchase. That's that is that absolutely is a big boy purchase or a big girl purchase or a big that, person person purchase. I'll say. Yep. Uh, so that's my end of the plugs. How about you, Adam? Yeah. So uh, there's some podcasts you should probably listen to, and those podcasts are Longbox Heroes, 
Final Wrestling Place, We Need Wrestling, Porch Talk, Hit My Music, Wrestling Cheers, Between the Sheets, Viewer's Choice, IWTV Guide, Hellions Talks, The A-Show, and Pod Van Dam, which is a podcast featuring Ed and Pat. That's it? Those are the only two people I know of that are on the show. Fair enough. You know your business. (laughs) But that's, uh, I think that's it for the main show. All right. So uh, let's get to uh, Adam's favorite part of Adam's favorite part of the show. (laughs) Some might cost a little. Some might cost a lot. And your figures will be bought. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, you know, without getting into too much, uh, outside of COVID test this week, I didn't purchase anything. <laughs> Well, all right, Joe, I will carry this segment, uh, and I will say this. I tweeted out a couple days ago that this segment might go long, so I want to state up front that I am cutting a significant amount of stuff out of this. Fair enough. (laughs) So what you are hearing is the truncated version, uh, just me picking and choosing some of the best stuff. So uh, I do have some updates for some previous things I want to talk about right off the bat, Uh, some good housekeeping, if you will. Uh, and I will say that I did eventually get my Terry Funk micro brawler. Uh, we had talked before. Oh, that... that's right. Right. Follow up from uh, your your friend who tried to rip you off twice. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I had mentioned last week that uh, last last recording on Thursday marked the seven days without it being shipped. And I had said that I was just going to be like enough's enough giving my money back. So uh, he had said that he was going to send it out either Tuesday or Thursday. Uh, finally, Friday, uh, around the night, I just messaged him. I was like, yo, dude, just either give me a tracking number or give me my money, my money back. And he was like, oh, I forgot. I, I shipped it yesterday. Here's the tracking number. And he did ship it out. But, like, just the fact that I had to message him and be like, give, him a, give me my money back uh, was what it took for him to send me the tracking number. And uh, he sent the micro brawler. He did just send it in a, a, a padded envelope. But it did survive, so it is what it is. I've learned my lesson. I am not buying anything from this guy again. If there's any major marks that listen to this that ever buy anything in the flea market and want to know who it was, just message me. I won't put them on blast publicly. But uh, just a quick update on that. And we talked a little bit about the major bendies going on sale last week. How many did you buy? Well, I got the update uh, that they were on sale because I'm not a poor and I'm in the the Patreon. And I went to the website to see how much they were. The mandatory four-pack of Broski, Myers, uh, Swoggle, and Smartmark was $100 for the four. So I not yet deciding one way or another. I went and added it to my cart. And after taxes and shipping, it was like 120-something. And I said, you know what? I'm out. I'm not doing it. So I did not buy them. So 
That's not to say that I might not buy them when they become available again on Christmas Eve, uh, especially considering uh, a friend of the show, and I don't say their business, but they reached out to me saying that they might want to do a split ski with me where I can uh -huh. take the guys I want and he will take who I don't want. Uh, so maybe things will change during the restock, but I did not pull the trigger on the bendies. So if I can be the enabler. Yes. Um, you are aware that the, uh, toy boys are doing the, um, holiday special on whatnot. Yes. Um, I know Brian for sure is selling his Bendy solo and signed. Yeah. I uh, see. I, okay. I so you'll pay uh, and I'll say this, I would assume that at the very least Marky and Broski would be doing the same. But but here's the thing, like, even if I just wanted uh, uh, Hawkins and Ryder there, them signed are going to be more than 50 bucks a piece. It's not like, oh, it's going to go for $20, you know, okay. so I would pay more for those two than I would pay for the set of four. And I've said before, I can care less about them being autographed because it's not like autographs from those two guys are hard to come by. I have so many autographs of theirs in this house that I didn't even ask for. They were just thrown in with stuff, you know? So those uh, bendies being autographed means nothing to me. Okay. Just throwing it out there. You know, oh, they, I appreciate it. They, might I have, have, they might have unsigned versions. Uh, they might have whatever in there as well. And I'll also say uh, I know you did sign up for Whatnot. I did. I, I didn't link it to any financials, but I'm uh -huh. able to, uh, you know, jump in and watch some stuff. So I understand that if you do sign up, uh, there's like coupon codes that you can get out, get out there for like 10 bucks off your first purchase. Yeah, I screwed up. Well, I didn't really screw up. I didn't use anybody's referral code. Like if you create an account, you need to do it with a referral code. Okay. So I, I just opened up the app. You know, it said, enter, you know, sign up here, enter in an email, create a password. And if I had done that through somebody's referral, kind of like our Amazon click through, they would have got the referral credit. Like, so if anybody out there wants to sign up for whatnot and, you know, wants to do the gimmick where I get 10 bucks and you get 10 bucks, let me know and I'll give you my referral. But I didn't use anybody's when I signed up. Gotcha. You know, but yeah, you can't even browse live uh, listings without creating an account. You don't have to link any financials to it, but you have to create like a username. Right. Absolutely. Plus, I I can't buy those bendies from the whatnot thing because I have to save my money for the super effy jacket. Mm. <laughs> Anyways, all right, Joe. On to the actual weekly purchases. And like I said, this is a truncated list, so I will go quick. I'll spit it out. If you have a reaction, you know, by all means, but I'll move on. Last week, I talked about buying the Amazon-exclusive Mandalorian Black Series based on the end credits, if you remember that. Yes. So I had shown that to a friend of mine at work. He was like, oh, that's really cool. I got uh, I got one of those last year. And I was like, no, you stupid idiot. You didn't get this last year. It just came out. And they're like, no, I got it. And they showed me on their phone. Apparently, Joe, there was another version that came out last year with a different paint job. So uh, I was like, God damn it. I didn't know about this. It's a Mandalorian Black Series figure. So I had to go and order one. So uh, I got that too. So I have both Amazon exclusive 
Mandalorian Black Series figures. Uh, this is a, a, a less talked about uh, part of your collection that I think takes up a lot of uh, time and effort and space. Well, I mean, at this point, if you want to talk about Black Series Mandalorian figures, uh, uh, roughly there is six of them in existence. I have five of them, and I have, like, another one on pre-order that hasn't come out yet, and the one that I am missing is, like, a limited first edition one that's, like, a $300 figure. I'm not buying it, you know? So uh, it's a very manageable collection. Gotcha. Speaking of unmanageable parts of a collection, uh, I only collect the Black Series Mando figures, but every once in a while I'll buy a Vintage Series, and there was a Walmart pre-order for uh, an exclusive uh, Vintage Series figure that I bought. But because it's from Walmart, it'll never get fulfilled, and my card will never get charged, and I'll never have the figure, so it doesn't really count. Right, so you essentially purchased a ghost. Yes, I did. Uh, ghost. Um... All right. I also, I know you tapped out a while ago on watching The Flash on TV. That's correct. I still watch it every once in a while. It is watchable. Uh, This most recent run of episodes has been focusing on the reverse Flash, who I am also a huge mark of. And uh, there's a couple of reverse Flash figures that I don't have. And I decided to pick up one that was actually pretty cheap. And it was from Toy Fair magazine like 20-something years ago. It was the mail-away reverse Flash figure, which uh, I don't even know who made it. But it's just one of those figures that's in a baggie, kind of like the Hasbro mail-aways. And uh, it was like 10 bucks, But I was like, oh, it's a reverse Flash that I don't have. So I grabbed it. Yeah, you know, I feel bad that the uh, Flash TV show isn't good anymore. But, uh, you know, I think I'm in the minority. I That last season and a half got kind of screwed up by the pandemic. And, uh, you know, I have my problems with the show, but I'm still a Flash fan, just not watching the show. Yeah, there was a couple episodes during the last season that were watchable, but it was mostly unwatchable. But I will tell you, they came back this season with a five-episode miniseries uh, based on Armageddon. And if you wanted to get your feet wet, it is a really good self-contained story. So maybe check that out if you got time, you know, whatever. I, I got no time. All right, never mind then. Um, so I may have mentioned this before, but one of my favorite obscure G.I. Joe characters are the Cobra Bat Androids, if you remember Oh, those. yeah. Uh, they put up for pre-order the G.I. Joe Classified series, uh, Cobra Bat. And the Classified series is basically, like, G.I. Joe's version of the Star Wars Black series and the Marvel Legends, you know, like, the upscaled, super detailed, collectible figures, so... I bought the uh, classified of the bat, and now I'm deciding whether or not I want to drop like 50 bucks on the upcoming Super 7 of the bat. So I don't know yet. Hmm. I think wait for the uh, the Hawkins and Broski Super 7s come in before you start buying more of those. Yeah, well, they are all in scale. They're in the same universe, so I can have Broski fight the Cobra Bat. You know? Oh, that's true. Well, Broski would probably be in Cobra, but... <laughs> and I, re- well, I remember the Bats, the original figures of them, way back when they had, like, interchangeable arms and stuff. Yep, yep. Yeah, you could take those arms off and, like, make, like, Robo Broski. <laughs> hmm, that's some fig photography. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, just a couple more and I'm done. Uh, I told this full story on Porch Talk today, but I'll give you the <laughs> truncated version, Joe. <laughs> 
And speaking of Super 7, I'm sure you're familiar with the Reaction line, which is the little, like, three and three quarters, like, retro-style figures that they do. Yep, they look like the old G.I. Joe, Star Wars things. Uh, Typically, they're more of an art piece. You don't really open them up. You just put them out for display. Absolutely. Yep. So I'm not a big uh, Reaction collector. I have a couple here and there. Um, But one of them that I'd always meant to pick up if I ever saw it in person was the Transformers Soundwave. Yes. And I was like, I'll see him on Entertainment Earth or whatever. And I'm like, I'm not going to, you know, pay 18 bucks plus shipping. If I see it, I see it. If I don't, I don't, you know, because I'm not the Michael Jordan of Soundwave collectors. I'm more of like the Horace Grant. I'm like a couple levels down. So I try to buy, you know, what I can, but not everything. So. I'm killing time on Doll Safari before I go to watch Spider-Man today. And I went to Books a Million, which is our poor man's version of Barnes & Noble here in the Scranton area. Yep. And they have an extensive section of reaction figures. And there was lots and lots of Transformers ones and lots of the Soundwave figure. So I, you know, I got some time to, to kill. I pull out the jeweler's loops that Todd got me for Christmas. And I... <laughs> I'm like looking for like the mintiest of mints, you know, and I'm like pulling a bunch off of the pegs and I finally find one that's like pristine. You know, I look at it front and back. It's really good. And I'm not like I'll handle a little ding here or there if it's the only one. But if I have choices, I'm going to try to find the best one. Absolutely. So I go up to the front lanes and I'm holding, you know, it's my turn to get up to the to the counter. And the lady's got the scan gun in her hand, you know, the one where you just basically go beep and you point it and like a like a gun with a trigger. So I hold the figure up by the bubble, you know, the bubbles in my hand and I basically, you know, put it towards her. So the barcode is like a half inch away from her gun, her scanner gun, you know, like say here, scan it. You don't want her to handle it. I don't want her to handle it. This is some like 50, 60 year old lady. She basically, even though she's got the gun in her hand and all she's got to do is pull that little trigger, she takes her other hand and sticks it out and basically does a little gesture like, give me the the thing. So I'm like, all right. So I hand it to her. She grabs it by the top of the cardboard. Just starts. And then like, (laughs) like she's like handling a rolled up newspaper. And like somebody asks her a question. She's like gesturing with my figure like swinging wildly and just pointing with it and then like comes back around like whacks it against the counter scans it i'm not exaggerating here scans it throws it in the bag and the bag is kind of like uh it's hanging from those hooks but the bottom of it is making contact with the counter so when she throws it in the bag it goes like thud and she just like here you go like have a nice day so i'm like oh my god so I don't even look at it. I go out to the car and I'm like, I, I got, I just spent, I didn't spend $2 on this. I spent $18 on it. I was like, if she trashed this, I'm going back in. So I pull it out of the bag and it's like creased in three spots. Like it's worse <laughs> than like, and like, it's like literally like, I can't even describe it. It's bad. I should have took a picture of it, but I was fuming. So I'm like, fuck this. I'm going back in there and I'm getting another one. So I go in and now, like when I was in line, there was like one person in front of me. Now there's like eight people in line. So I'm like, all right, well, I'm just going to go over. I still have my receipt. I have the one that's in my bag. I'm going to go pick out the second best one. You know, that takes me a few seconds. And then I'm like, I'm going to get another. I'm going to say, like, look for an employee and just be like, yo, I'm swapping these. You know, just so you know, like this one's in bad shape. I'm swapping it out. 
I start doing laps around that place. I cannot find anybody. So they all had gone up to the front lanes because the line got up there. It got really bad. So I'm thinking to myself, do I just like swap these out on my own? But then I was like, then I'm just the guy who's like stuffing stuff into a bag and then leaving. And so I'm like, I'm going to get up in the front lanes and I'm just going to say, hey, I'm going to swap these out. And I stood in line for maybe like five more minutes. And I don't know if I'm sure it's this way at any bookstore, but they're like, oh, are you a member? No. You know, oh, if you sign up as a member, you get this, this and this. No, thank you. Oh, did you know you're eligible for six free months of Time Magazine? Like you have to listen to that spiel with everybody. So the line was not moving. So after like five minutes in line, I just did the thing where like I held up the one that was in my bag. And I held up the other one that was in my hand and like, like I was a dealer at a craps table that was like cashing out. Like I'm wildly gesturing like, okay, I'm taking this one. I'm putting it in the bag, but I'm taking this one out. And I flashed the receipt to the security cameras and I took off because I was like, I just want to swap this figure that your lady destroyed. So uh, Todd had said that there's going to be an APB out for the Soundwave Bandit on tonight's news. (laughs) So... Uh, I know that you said that this is what happened, and while there's a chance that you could be exaggerating a little bit at some point, uh, I don't think that you are. Uh, no, no. I mean, like, I, literally, I, I, I that was pretty much how it happened. It might not have been as destroyed as my <laughs> mind makes it out to be, but it went from being mint to having some, like, bends in the card. But this sounds like the most George Costanza moment of anyone that I know's life. <laughs> happening in real life and i'm the dick where so let's say that's me and she and i'm going there as a minton card collector i have my jeweler's loop out i find the one that makes me look less sad (laughs) i take it up and she mangles it and she handed it to me i would have looked at that motherfucking toy right in front of her and say you destroyed this yeah I'm going to get another one right now. I wouldn't have walked out to the car. I wouldn't have thought about it. I would have did it right in front of her. And I I would have, I go, you hold this here. (laughs) I'm going and getting another one. One that you're not going to destroy. Here's the thing on, on this podcast, I'm an asshole, but in real life, I'm like polite and quiet. So like, I'm like a not rock the boat kind of guy. And like, especially working in importing and exporting, like I don't want to hassle people, but it was like, it, it festered from the walk from the front doors to my car, you know? And then I looked at it and I was like, enough is enough. It's time for a change. You know? I've gone through drive throughs and out to eat and have my simple requests of no cheese, no mayo, completely ignored mm. that when I get my food, even when I'm out to eat, I haven't like drive through or anything, even when I'm out to eat, I say to the waitress or the person serving me, I go, hang on one second. And I look at everything to make sure it's okay be- while they're there. And if it's correct, I say, thank you very much for getting my order right. Mm-hmm. Because I know I could be a pain in the ass by saying no cheese. <laughs> this, huge, this huge hill that they have to climb, right? <laughs> yeah. So I'm not being a dick. I'm making a very simple request. No cheese, no mayo, don't destroy my toy. (laughs) And if you do, I'm going to look at it right in front of you. And I'm going to let you know, hopefully, that you failed today. And the simple (laughs) request was, don't ruin my toy. And you ruined my toy. (laughs) 
I even thought like I did the, the the stereotypical thing. I wanted to be like, oh, the person I'm buying this for likes the mint. <laughs> you know? oh. The person I'm buying this for, whose name is also Adam. Yes. <laughs> All right, just one or two more things, and then we're done. Um, I purchased on the Major Pod Facebook group the box set of the Undisputed Era: Adam Cole, uh, Kyle O'Reilly, and Bobby Fish. And uh, longtime listeners might say, but Adam, you already have that box set. And I do. And you're going to say, but Adam, the one that you have is in mint condition, which it is. But you want to know why I bought another one, Joe? To open and play with? No, that's to put crazy talk. To put on your AEW shelf? <laughs> uh, less crazy, but no, that's not it either. So there was a running change on this. And the version I have is the second version. And they are the exact same figures. But on the packaging of the original one, it has the first time in the line Bay Bay tagline on the cardboard. And they remove that from the second version. And I am a psychopath and I wanted the original one. So uh, it was uh, in the Facebook group for a really good price. And I'm going to get the original one when it comes in. And then I'm probably just going to sell the second version because I wanted the one that says first time in the line. <laughs> That's borderline psychopathic behavior, yes. <laughs> but I right. can't I can't argue with it. This is true. This is true. All right. So my last thing, Joe, if you remember a couple weeks ago, all probably closer to a month or so ago, I bought all those major pod micro brawlers, right? You know, they came out with the the set of like six or whatever, right? I they remember. VSK and Rory, you know, Rory Fox and all that stuff. So I took a picture of my complete collection of all the ones I had. I put it in the Facebook group. A lot of people were like, hey, good collection, all that stuff. And one of the people who commented was uh, the aforementioned uh, Dylan Postel, Hornswoggle. And he had said, oh, you're missing like any of mine or whatever. You don't have this one or this one or this one. And I said, well, I don't have those. So he says, slide into the DMs. So five minutes later, I'm messaging him. Hey, man, what do you got? You know, interested to see what you have. No response. So this was, I don't know. We'll say this is like late November, maybe maybe close to like a month ago. I don't know. No response from him. I give it a day or two. Uh, I comment on the Facebook, the public post saying, hey, I DM'd you just so you know if you ever get a chance to respond, you know, whatever. See what you got. No response. So I'm like, all right, whatever. No big deal. Saves me the money. So fast forward to like two, three days ago at like 11 o'clock at night or whatever, I get like a Facebook message and my phone goes off and it's like, oh, Dylan Postel messaged you. I'm like, what <laughs> the fuck? Because I completely forgot about it. So yeah. it's just very weird that like Hornswoggle's messaging me. <laughs> but I looked at it and uh, he was like, oh, sorry, I didn't see the message. You know how it is if somebody that you're not Facebook friends with messages you, it yep. goes to like this other folder. Um, so he's like, hey, I didn't see that, but I do have this and it's the limited to 250 swoggle autographed micro brawler. And uh, these I had seen on eBay for like around a hundred bucks. And I've seen them in the Facebook group for like 60. And so I'm like, Oh man, I've just bought so much stuff this week. Yes. Like, I was like, I, this is terrible timing, but I'm like, oh, this guy, he messaged me. I was like, I, I, let me see what he has. And uh, basically, 
Uh, he sold it to me for what they were selling for when they were brand new, like three years ago on pro wrestling tees. So oh, okay. I got it for like what in my mind next to nothing, you know, what the fuck it was 40 bucks shipped. So, uh, which is what like they were 30 plus shipping when they were brand new. So if to me, that's, that's a good deal. So, um, and I got it right from him himself and he is currently violating the major pod Facebook group rules. Cause it's been like three, four days and he hasn't shipped it yet, mm. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll figure that out in a week or two. But, uh, but yeah, so that's my last thing is I bought a micro brawler of swaggle from swaggle. So, uh, well, listen, he has, uh, his first round of bookings in like forever this weekend. So those things ain't. Adam, those things ain't ship until after Christmas. No, I, I honestly, I, I, I'm okay with that because of Christmas and all that shit. It's fine. I'll get it when I get it. Right. Like I said, he's got his bookings this weekend. He's got the AEW show. Uh, him, Ethan Page, and Dan Housen are doing like I think. Uh, are they going to Toy Vomit or some other toy place on Sunday? Um, and then of course he's got to go to the North Pole for the week after <laughs> for his shift there. Uh, so he's going to be busy, you know? Yeah. We'll get it in the new year. Yeah. Mm, maybe. <laughs> you know, first quarter of the new year. Yes. Right around the same time as the ringside figures. Exactly. Yeah. Coming so 20- is that it? That's it. Uh, like I said, I trimmed some stuff off to keep it brief. <laughs> I'll just say you're having a very happy Christmas for yourself. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, like I obviously I I'm not going to say exactly everything, but I bought a lot of Christmas gifts too for people, but I'm not putting them in there. I just like to put the the dolls and stuff. Yeah, I, you know, I I took the, you know, I did Christmas stuff a couple of weeks ago. Mm. And you're like, "Oh, that doesn't count." I'm like, "I don't know. I spent fucking $60 on a Christmas tree. I think that counts, you know?" <laughs> yeah. Um, I bought like whatever the hell it was for like the inflatable glowing the fucking light up dinosaur that's in my front yard, you know? Like these things count, but I get you. Yeah. Um, it's good to hear the dinosaur is still there. Yeah, hasn't been stolen yet. There's a bounty on it, but, you know. <laughs> we haven't had any snow, but we had a couple, like, heavy rains and stuff. Yeah. And my kid freaks the fuck out. That thing is going to blow away. And, like, it's literally, like, s- staked. It's, like, tent pulled into the ground. That thing ain't going nowhere. Yeah. But he freaks the fuck out if it's raining crazy-like, you know? Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I think that's it for everybody, Joe. I think we've given them a, a long episode today. Absolutely. It's a good Christmas gift for you and yours if you're doing traveling and so forth. And uh, I know we've leaned on them quite a bit this episode, but they are friends of ours. They do a lot of good work. And uh, by the time that many of you are listening to this, this will already be the 17th. Uh, so I'm going to close the show out uh, reading my favorite tweet of 2020. Uh, which is having its one-year anniversary this Friday. Uh, And in the immortal words of Brian Myers, Drew, on behalf of myself and everyone at Creative Pro, I'm sincerely telling you to fuck off. Don't you dare try taking credit for other people's hard work that your talented ass had nothing, absolutely nothing to do with. Okay, bye! (laughs) Be safe, enjoy some wrestling, everyone! You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Networks.